Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm a little worried uh, about noises of real life happening because normally the show, I record it at odd, <laughs> at odd hours. I guess that's charitable. Uh, and since we're doing a second show this week, you know, I was supposed to put it out on Thursday. It's Friday. Don't fucking yell at me. I understand. I read a thing yesterday. A guy on Twitter is just like, hey, man, like nobody can make demands on a free show. If there's a free podcast and you enjoy it, you enjoy it whenever it arrives. And uh, and I, I ostensibly I can agree with that to a certain extent, but also at the same time, people have to trust that the fucking show is going to arrive because people can just go, oh, OK, so it's not a regular show. All right, well, they're going to take off then. Take, uh, hopefully somebody else listens to it. Uh, so I recorded the show at odd hours. And uh, but this time I've uh, I've outdone myself, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, certainly it was supposed to be out on Thursday and then Wednesday. I found myself uh, coming to grips with the fact it probably wasn't going to happen. I sat down a couple of times and did a lap. Uh, and now here, whatever it's Friday morning. That's the point. It's super early. Uh, it's, it's like five 30 Friday morning, but it's not early enough. Uh, like if I recorded this at 3 AM, then I could probably be in and out before anybody woke up and heard my nonsense or more importantly, anybody woke up and you heard their nonsense. Cause, uh, I, I won't lie. I said I was ready to do this at four. Uh, and then I was certainly distracted. I have a new distraction, everybody. Look, solitaire is, is, is always going to own a place in my life. It always jumps in and goes, hey, why don't you kill an hour doing this? Why don't you do it where you have to uh, uncover no cards? Wait, you can only complete this column first. Oh, <laughs> weirdness. Um, but I have a new distractor. I have a new person who's come in to tap dance with a, a fucking top hat and a cane and say, hello, my baby. Look at me. Don't fucking do your work. But I'll tell you this real fast before I do that at three o'clock, uh, three 30, I was like, all right, let's do this, man. And then like I was, and you know, I got, I got distracted by stuff, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, again, as I mentioned, solitaire, oh, red two to black three. Uh, but then oddly enough, my, uh, my neighbor, uh, there was, there was noise there. There was like a weird grinding noise. It looked like he was moving a chair against the wall or he was moving furniture of some sort. Uh, my next door neighbor is our great friend, uh, uh, Lou, the racist bartender. Uh, he, he was next door doing things and, but he was asleep. It was like out of a dead sleep. Like he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden these grinding noises started to the point where I was like, you know what it reminded me of? I thought it was in a British heist film where somehow 
somebody needed to use Lou's apartment to break through the wall into some vault and steal some jewels. You ever, you ever hear those stories? One of my favorite Sherlock Holmes stories is uh, he's been told there's going to be a robbery, but the guy dares him to try to solve it, whatever the fuck. And, you know, the cops go and they're in the building. They're waiting to see what's going to happen. And Sherlock Holmes is just like, sorry, not going to happen. And he, then he explains uh, he figures out these guys are going to tunnel underneath uh, 20 fucking Charing Street, whatever the fuck is in England. And and then they're going to go through the wall because he heard tapping when he was there earlier. Whatever the fuck. Who knows? I can't I can't, look, I can't break down Sherlock Holmes's technique for you. It's too complicated. I couldn't do it just here on this podcast. Uh, however, just please know that he and his his dog eared hat and his gay friend Watson are going around and solving crimes. And please don't try to tell me that they're not gay. There is no doubt that because there are some where they're like, Watson is like, oh, Holmes, I, I had to leave the wife behind to come and help you on this case. You know, they only threw those lines in so people would stop going, ah, come on, Holmes and Watson are fucking. There's no doubt that Holmes and Watson are, you know, and I'll tell you this, that's a mystery that I could solve. I didn't need Sherlock Holmes to solve that mystery at all. Elementary, my dear Watson, you're taking it in the ass. I think that's pretty obvious to everybody who's listening to this goddamn thing. Anytime you've got some buddy cop look there's always there with the buddy cop thing even on tv like everybody starsky and hutch are like partners but at the same time you there's like parts where they love each other um like when hutch is trying he's hooked on heroin and they're trying to they're trying to get him to kick heroin and he's kind of like half naked and sweaty and tied to a chair and starsky's there rubbing his back and you're just like oh man this is so close to starsky just blowing hutch and i don't want that to happen i just want to watch the big cable knit sweaters i want to watch uh I want to see the 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 Grand Torino, the big striped tomato driving around. I want to watch Cap and Dobie be fucking grouchy. And I want to say, David Soul, don't give up on me, baby. That's what I say. Although, but now I think David Soul's singing that to fucking Paul Glazer, Paul Michael Glazer. I go Paul Glazer. He and I are very close. I don't have to use the middle name. I, I went, hey, PMG. He's like, what's that? I go, Paul Michael Glazer. He goes, we're friends, man. Drop the M. And I said, Paul Eichel Glazer. <laughs> and he's like, no, drop the whole fucking thing. You don't need to say the name. And I said, all right, fine. Uh, but you know, Holmes and Watson are going at it clearly, but every, every periodically in every episode, they'll be like, Oh, Holmes, I, I'm going to need to stop by and say something to the wife to explain why you and I are sharing a train car yet again. <laughs> so fucking dumb. And Holmes is like, undubitably Watson here, do me a favor. Would you like to smoke my pipe? What the hell just happened? Oh my God. Watson is smoking Holmes's pipe. Uh, and Holmes is wearing that dumb hat. You know, he's got that, what the dog ears on it. You know, the, the, why am I, who am I criticizing? Sherlock Holmes, he's a genius. Go listen to any of his shows. He's a fucking master. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't complete a fucking guy and just give, you know, I think he just gave him the dumb hat so people would underestimate him. Isn't that like in any show? Like Columbo's got the fucking raincoat and everybody's like, this guy's a fucking idiot. And he's like, oh yeah, guess what? <laughs> just one more thing. You busted. And everybody's like, holy shit, Columbo's a genius. And they're like, yeah, why is he wearing that filthy raincoat? Ah, because it throws you off the fucking trail. Although I don't know what, you know, Hercule Poirot wears a fucking, uh, he wears a suit with a bow tie and a weird mustache. But I guess the mustache is that, you know, that's his fucking red herring. Because Columbo's got the, the trench coat and so it makes people forget that he's the fucking master detective. Poirot, he wears a suit. So you're like, well, that's what a detective would wear. This guy might be fucking onto us. And then you look at the mustache and you're like, fuck this Raleigh Fingers motherfucker. I'm going to commit all the crimes in the world. He's not going to bust me. Jesus Christ. If this guy had a magnifying glass, he'd fucking use it to go ahead and curl his mustache in a mirror. Fuck this guy. Uh, and then, oh, contraire, because then Hercule Perot puts you in the in the fucking uh, the, the caboose of the train before he can solve the crime. And nobody gets to leave this room, ladies and gentlemen. And then, uh, wait, was he the Orient Express guy? I don't know if he was. 
Look, I don't want to mix up your Christie's with your Doyle's, all your famous uh, detective writers. I've already thrown Starsky and Hutch into the mix. Both of them are rolling in their grave. <laughs> Conan, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and, uh, and, and Dame Agatha Christie. I think they're both, they've both been knighted, right? Because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, that's because uh, Sir is that's the thing. You get, they tap you on the shoulder with the fucking saber and boom, all of a sudden you're a Sir. But I got to think Agatha, Agatha Christie, is she even fucking English? I don't even know. But she came with, with her Hercule Poirot with his fucking bananas mustache. Uh, and then they made movies and then she wrote stories. And then he looks like James Coco on a fuck at a, at a costume party or whatever the fuck. Uh, but somehow that's, that's what he does. You know, that's the thing. Everybody's like, this is James Coco looking motherfucker. And then he solves a crime. You always give the fucking detective some weird thing where everybody goes, look at this fucking idiot. Look at Sherlock Holmes's dumb hat. Next thing you know, you're in fucking Scotland yard, fucking breaking rocks. They still do that in England. I don't know. Do they even crime in England? I don't know. Everything I read about England, like, I have to be honest. I saw a meme that made me that shook me up today, and it's a it's a weird ass meme, but it is a meme nonetheless. Um, I don't even know why I saw it, but it it, it was one. Of, it was in my Facebook feed when I was scrolling by. Somebody posted it, and it said, uh, "So you don't think you live in a simulation, a eh? or something like that?" And then it said, "Have you ever seen your neighbor bring in groceries?" And uh, holy fuck, you know what that. Uh, that sent me spinning for a goddamn loop. I like, cause look, I barely bring home groceries. Okay. So the people in the building can think the same thing about me, but I, I, I can't recall the last time I saw any of my neighbors, especially my upstairs neighbors. Are they just getting shit delivered or fucking, are they just 3d printing a sandwich? Like what the fuck is happening upstairs? Nobody's going ahead and ordering any noodles or anything like that. Uh, I don't even, I barely see anybody bring home food. I barely see anybody, you know, there might, there might not be anybody in my fucking complex, except for the people trying to break in through the apartment next door. What could they possibly be going to? Because, because look, if they're breaking in, they're breaking into my joint. They're already in his joint. They're making the grinding noises. They're going to tunnel through the goddamn wall and try to find something here to fucking take home. I got a very valuable samurai mask. Maybe they want that. Maybe they want any number of desktop microphones that I happen to own. I'm not sure. I've got four computer monitors, two laptops. One of them is very sticky. Please don't, don't don't take. Please do not take the sticky laptop. Nothing good will come of that for you later when you go through. Please, and please don't look up the history. Oh my Christ! Here's what I say to you, jewel thieves. If you can hear me through the wall right this second, uh, if you want to take stuff, that's fine. I, and even if you take the sticky laptop, I understand that. You look. You think you can go ahead and make as much money as you possibly can? Take the sticky laptop. However. Please don't look up the uh, the internet history. You know, I should think now. I should clear my cache every day. That's what I'm thinking now. Uh, I think I should probably be clearing my internet history at least on one of my laptops, preferably the sticky one. Because again, I'm going to be dead someday. I'm not getting out of this apartment ever. I'm not fucking going anywhere. And if people are going to come in here and they're going to be like, hmm, well, we have to divvy up his belongings. <laughs> Who's going to get all of these outdated DVDs? Hey, who wants his autographed Kiss box set? Does anybody want that? What about this very sticky laptop that I'm now unfortunately going to have to boil my hands because I touched it? I touched it right now. And clearly there's some sort of DNA or something on it. I don't know. Who wants, who wants his, his sleeve of Astroglide? Does anybody want all of those? He's got a bunch of these here because <laughs> he found a deal. Uh, that's what the pandemic does to you. It makes you look up a deal on fucking Astroglide because you're like, you know what, man? I can't. I just, I, as I told you, I'm lazy these days. I gave up. I don't, I don't even have the strength to spit in my hand. <laughs> Let's let the bottle do all the fucking work, right? Who's with me? Oh, the stickiest of all laptops. So who knows, man? There may be a... Uh, some sort of uh, t- crime tunneling crew coming through the wall here any second. Or, oh, so I didn't even finish. So I heard the grinding on the wall, right? Uh, which, as we know, Sherlock Holmes is on top of. He and his gay partner. Uh, you know what? There's another. 
<laughs> this makes me think of this. I may have even talked about this because it makes me laugh. There's a uh, another detective show, and it's called uh, Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. It's on old-time radio, and I, first of all, I love it because it. any of these old shows are so fucking ridiculous because any detective shows are ridiculous, all right? I don't know if there are gumshoes still around. I don't know if there are Seamuses still around. I don't know if there are Flatfoots going ahead and hiding in uh, peepers, whatever you want to call them, hiding in the bushes, keeping track of guys who cheat on their wives. I don't fucking know. Uh, but I do know that in the old days, apparently that happened a lot. But here's the, You know what I love? I love when it's some supremely old mystery that's it's absolutely of its time it'll be like you know detective richard diamond is in his office and some bombshell comes in with legs up to here and she's got a tip about some murders at the racetrack (laughs) or somebody stole a violin and it's like none of this makes any sense in the real world anymore nobody would fucking do that first of all there's no detectives but even there was a detective you wouldn't i mean there's not even horse racing anymore that's the thing all of that is completely finished once the horses started dropping dead because they realized, hey, maybe we shouldn't whip animals for our amusement and gamble on it. What the fuck are we, savages? And we are. There's no doubt we're savages, clearly. And we used to have cockfighting in some of your finer countries across this goddamn blue marble. But at the same time, man, in America, we're supposed to be civilized, correct? I'm sure there's dogfighting somewhere. Let's ask Michael Vick. He knows. Uh, and I've, And I... I unfortunately ran into the people who defended it because they loved Michael Vick because that's the way it is nowadays. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your favorite guy is. If your favorite, if your favorite guy does something terrible, everybody defends it. Everybody just swoops in and they're like, oh, yeah, I, uh, what are you talking about, man? It's it's the way he was raised. He was raised to pit animals in fucking combat to the death. Where was he raised? Thermopolis or whatever the fuck? Thermopylae? Papanopoly? Was he kicked into a pit by fucking Gerard Butler? What the fuck? Nobody was raised in a place where it was okay to have animals fight to the goddamn death. However, all of us were raised in a place where it was okay to whip animals and to make them run as fast as they possibly could for no reason at all, except so for one guy could win $3 if they finished in third. What the fuck, man? What a terrible nation. And then people are like sad. They're like, ah, do you know how many people are going to lose their jobs if horse racing goes out of business? No, I don't. I really don't. I'm sure there are trainers and mud shoes and whatever the fuck else they use for slaying around the goddamn track. And I know my buddy Mike Siegel has, he's really good friends with people who are in, who not look into horse racing and not, and also in horse racing. Mike's not friends with, you know, fucking shorty the jockey or fucking or or tipper the fucking trainer mike's up in the booth with the fucking like bob baffert and his fucking crew and they're drinking mint juleps watching races happen mike's that guy he's connected uh and that's fine and i'm sure it's the sport of kings if i've heard but if i remember correctly we don't have any fucking kings here anymore either this fucking nation has, has excised the kings and sent them on their way uh, but I, that's my favorite is when it's some sort of mystery that involves something again, uh, th- th- <laughs> I'll do stuff like this. I'll be like, uh, Oh no. Have you heard about Sergio Momesso? And they'll be like, Sergio Momesso, the famed baritone who's in town with the, the, uh, symphony this evening. And they'll be like, yes, I saw it in all the papers. <laughs> all right. Oh, everything's wrong there. First of all, the papers aren't reporting on the symphony. Nobody's reporting the symphony. There is no touring fucking baritone that anybody fucking knows who they are. Uh, Also, there are no papers anymore. By the way, I mentioned the papers are reporting on the symphony, the baritone. It's all gone. The symphony might be finished. Baritones are done. There are no more newspapers. And Sergio Mameso is a retired hockey player. There's no way he'd be going around singing anywhere. But I love it in there when they try. It's this exposition where they try to catch you up. 
You know, like I said, there's horse racing or fucking violence. There's this one, another one that I love. It's a guy who's overseas during the war. And he's a violin player. And then he stumbles into a shop because he's, you know, I guess they're in Italy and they've occupied a city, whatever the fuck. And there's some dude there who's got a fancy violin. And this violinist is like, oh, I haven't seen a violin since the war started. May I play it? And of course, it's something, it's even more rare than a Stradivarius. You know what I mean? It's like a, a fucking Dolce, Dolce and Gabbana, whatever the fuck. I don't know. Insert your own Italian word here. But it's a, a, a mameso. Maybe we'll go that route. <laughs> Sergio's here. Let's use him. It's a mameso, right? And then this dude plays the violin and he loves it and his amazing sound and he talks to the shopkeeper and he's like Geppetto man what the fuck with this violin I love it can I take it to America he's like oh no my friend you do you do it the justice and you play it so nice uh, however it is the one thing that is going to be buried with me and the American guy is like what the fuck are you talking about he's like oh it, uh, it has been in my family for a, a thousand generations the first momesso he constructed this violin and he gave it to my father in exchange for some garlic parsley snips and my father who had the only garlic of parsnips in the neighborhood uh, say uh, he will give to uh, mr momesso uh, mr momesso have nothing to give except violin and then violin go in my family and then it get handed down for a thousand generations the first caveman who who was who shared my name passed it down it has gone through the renaissance uh leonardo da vinci himself came to visit one of my uncles and he said oh i must see your momesso and he brought it about and da vinci said i must sculpt it and he said you must not i no one must know that i own the only momesso on earth uh and then of course this idiot tells the american that he's got it and that's the last guy you ever want to tell that you've got something that you don't want to fucking get rid of or is top secret don't tell an american Da Vinci didn't squeal. None of the other guys through thousands of centuries squealed about your fucking famous Mameso violin. But the American guy is like, so, so, all right, so then I can take it, right? He's like, you're not listening to me. <laughs> Please understand. I have no son. I have no family. I have no daughter. And uh, by the way, this is me competing with Chris Pratt for the voice of Super Mario. I don't know. I, I just saw that they're making. And all right, let's talk. Let me finish this thought. Whoa, I almost stopped my water over. Uh <laughs> So I have no family, I have no dog, I have no goat to pass it down to, I have no wife, I have no aunt, I have no uncle. So I will take the momesso into the grave with me, and I will play it into the afterlife for the Jesus Christ. He will be at the gates, he will say, oh, your life was complicated, how will I let you in? And I will say, listen to this song. And Jesus Christ will open the gates and say, Oh, you, sir, what a song. I, I have never felt such emotion over three blind mice in my life. And so I will go into heaven carrying the Momesso violin. And I will go in and I will entertain all over the place. And the American's like, Give me this fucking fiddle, old man. And he's like, It's not a fiddle. It is a Momesso. A thousand generations. I may have mentioned that Plato himself contemplated this. It drove him mad. Sartre, Sartre, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm an Italian man, a peasant, a simple man. So maybe we don't say Sartre. Maybe we put to Socrates. I can say his name. And he himself talked to Plato and said, did you see the Momesso? They discussed over and over, over smaller and smaller cups of coffee until they were just licking one drop off of the table because the coffee was gone. They were not, they were not content to have cappuccinos or stracciolas or whatever the fuck. So they were just drinking a one drop off of the table. That was, that 
that was their morning a constitutional, talking about the Momasso, wondering about the Momasso, constantly bothering my great, 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 great grandpa about the Momasso, not realizing that my grandpa had hidden it in the floorboards and passed it down to my great, 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 great grandpa, who would then pass it down to my great, 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 you get the idea. Anyway, the Momesso has finally found its way into my hands, and I will save it and keep it and bring it in the grave so I can take it to heaven and enchant a god himself with this song. He will love it. He created the mice, you know. And the American guy is like, yeah, fuck mice and fuck you. Give me this goddamn fiddle. And they uh, why don't, why, why are you, and then of course it's radio, so they have to build this weird tension where he's like, uh, why are you, you, you don't look in your eyes. You, you look crazy. You look, I can't understand why you need to stop advancing. Don't walk toward me. Please don't, don't pin me in. No, I can't. I don't understand. And then like the worst gunshots ever. Or he beats him to death with a fucking fiddle bow. I don't know what the fuck. And then he takes the, he takes the violin. And uh, he takes it to Momesso. And, the, and then the war ends, of course, because why not? Because apparently, I don't know if you know this, get this, there's a subplot. Uh, the guy who owns the Momesso, Mussolini. It, yeah, it, it, it made the story much more int- interesting and intriguing, if you will. Uh, so he kills Mussolini and he steals this fiddle and Italy falls. And then uh, he comes to America. And then there's like a scene where he's at, at the fucking uh, uh, customs. And they're like, yeah, I got anything to declare coming back from the war. Thanks for liberating us, uh, G.I. Joe. And he's like, uh, no, nah, nothing, man. Uh, just whatever. And like, what's in the box? And he's like, oh, I, you know, what, just a fiddle. Uh, and oh, a fiddle. All right, we'll go. Hey, can you play us a tune? Certainly. Oh, man, that's magic. All right. You should go play that at some fucking beer hall. I will. But then he comes in and he realizes, nah, man, this is way too fancy because he's a fucking violin dude, right? And then he goes to it and his, his wife, this is another thing that cracks me up. His wife meets him. And she's like, John. And he's like, oh, it's so good to see you, Dolores. She goes, oh, I'm so glad that you're home for me and your music. You know what? I've turned the uh, uh, the upper level of our home into a studio so you can practice all day because I know you how much you want to get back to your music. And I have to admit, I heard this, right? I'm listening to this. This guy's been overseas for the war. Now, look. Everybody's head is fucking tuned up. There's no doubt. They've been over there killing Germans and shit like that. And fucking he beat to death a fucking old Italian guy with a goddamn rolling pin. So he's mentally off. But I'm sorry. If I've been overseas for three fucking years, killing anything that moved, and I come home and there's my wife. Now, granted, I'm going to have to see a psychiatrist at some point. There's no there's no doubt I'm going to have to go and, and lay on a couch and spill some bullshit. But... Uh, when I first see my wife, the last fucking thing I'm going to ask about is whether or not my studio has been converted at my house. I am going to be balls deep in my wife, maybe even at the train station. Like I can't, I don't know how anybody controlled themselves. There's a movie I watched over uh, the la- not this particular summer, but last summer when it was the real pandemic. And it was, uh, Beach and I were watching movies all the time. We were doing zoom and watching films. And she had me watch, uh, the best years of our lives. I think it's called, I don't know. Dana Andrews is in it. And it's about dudes who come home from the war. 
And it's about some dude. I might have even talked about it on the air. It's some dude with no arms and and uh, and Dana Andrews, and then an old man. And they come back uh, from the war, and they're all fucked up. They like they don't know how to come back to real life. Dana Andrews visits his parents. They're fucking potato eaters in a fucking cabin by the goddamn railroad tracks. They got nothing to offer anybody at all. They got his one pair of underwear and one sock. I mean, it's like they're so poor. And he's just like, well, that's I better get back uh, to being an American. <laughs> and he works at a fucking perfume counter. It's terrible. And it's, it's really it's a fantastic look at what happened when our boys came home from overseas without a stolen violin to trade for money uh, when they were just broke or they had nothing. Right. So and also, I, I, again, I understand the adjustment. I've seen it in enough movies where they're like some five-star general who's used to commanding a thousand men comes home and all of a sudden he comes home. It's like Patton. Patton's like, you know, a fucking monster, right? Patton controls the European theater. He's like, I'm in charge of all these motherfuckers and they're going to do whatever the fuck I say. I'm going to slap this dude in his bed because he makes me sick because he's fucking injured and he won't fight. I hate these fucking idiots. And then the war ends and he goes home and he's just George who needs to clean the garage. And Patton's like, man, I used to be in charge of a bunch of fucking dudes. And they're like, yeah, well, now you're in charge of that dumb of that coffee can where the screws into the trash because it's taking up shelf space. You fuck clean the garage, George. Um, now, look, in this story, I don't know why George Patton's wife is the same wife of the teacher in Pink Floyd, the wall. But at the same time, she may still be that kind of a, a shrew. Who knows? Makes him eat his gristle. Uh, it's what he's, you know, that's one of his fat psychopathic wives who would thrash him within an inch of his life. And, uh, and that's, and that's why he slapped the dude in the bed. That's the thing that was not, hold on. We got a plane coming. Can you guys hear it? That may be the United States army sending someone to, to, to airdrop into my complex to take me out for running down George S. Patton, but I'm not really running him down. Like I said, he was in charge of all the fucking operations in the goddamn European theater. It's like George fucking, uh, who's the other idiot? Uh, uh, what the fuck? I want to say George McGovern, but that's a fucking, uh, McGill. No, that's a fucking hockey player. Why have I got Momesso and McGill? Bob McGill, who's a fighter. Sergio Momesso, who's just a dick. He would start fights, but then he wasn't a very good fighter. He'd always throw around some like small guy and everybody'd be like, Ooh, Momesso can handle himself. But then if a fucking Probert or Coaster got in his face, he'd be like, I'm skating away because my name is Sergio. You fucking loser. Um, let me think. Who am I? Uh, who's the guy? MacArthur. There you go. Why the fuck did I not think of that guy's name? I'm the oldest man alive. Honestly, if, if, if I can't, if my neurons are fucked up so that so bad that I can't pull MacArthur's name out of my ass. Jesus, that's frustrating. Uh, so uh, so Douglas MacArthur, same deal. Fucking sunglasses, concab, cob, cob, concab, cob, corn cob. <laughs> you wonder why I don't do two of these a fucking week? Uh, sunglasses, fucking captain's hat, corn cob pipe, rolls his fucking pants up, walks out of the surf, tells the Japanese, fuck you, literally says, I'm going to fuck everybody up. And then even he's got to go home and like he wakes up in the morning and his wife's like, hey, did you fucking put the kettle on? And he's like, I don't want any tea. I destroyed Japan. And they're like, well, I want some fucking tea. And if you got it before me, throw the fucking kettle on. It's only the nice thing to do. He's like, all right, what if I had a battalion of a thousand men that I ordered into the kitchen to put the kettle on? Would that make you happy? And he's like, uh, or she's like, yeah, I, I guess. But regardless, as long as the water gets boiled, and I get to have some tea in the fucking morning out on the patio. I'm happy. Can you leave Japan in Japan? You fuck You're home now. This is Delaware. I have no idea if MacArthur was from Delaware, but it makes me laugh that he was. He literally conquered a country that's bigger than his state. Although I guess a country would be bigger than his state. Eh, it doesn't make any sense. All right, I'm talking in circles. Anyway, the point is, was there a point? Detectives? What the fuck was I talking about? I don't remember. Oh, you know what? The, 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 all detectives are gay. 
there's like an undertone of all the of the, all these uh, uh, like uh, gay detectives. Oh, so I didn't finish the fiddle story. So this is what happens. The dude fucking comes home, right? And he comes in, he gets through customs, and then he. So I would literally, my wife, I would wear her like a fucking. Like a, like a surgeon's mask. I mean, I would literally do the move on her right there in the train station or whatever the fuck, and people would cheer me on. You know why? Because I was returning home like a GI, like a badass GI. They'd be thrilled. But again, even in, in that best years of their lives, the three dudes come home. Dan Edwards has fucking nothing. He's got, like I said, his fucking poor family. And No Arms is the fucking worst. And I think I talked about No Arms on here before because No Arms won a goddamn Oscar. Not only did No Arms win an Oscar, he won two Oscars. And I think the only reason he won two Oscars because they thought it would be funny to give him two things he couldn't hold. Because he had no fucking arms. They're like, oh, man, let's give this guy an Oscar. It'd be hilarious to see him lift it up. They're like, even funnier, let's give him two Oscars so he has to try to hold it in a fucking photo op at the end of the goddamn ceremony. Because that was some bullshit, man. Have you watched the movie? He's a terrible actor. He's so bad. I mean, he's really good at being a guy with no arms because guess what? In real life, he's a guy with no fucking arms. That's not a role that you can fucking stretch yourself to play. If you got no arms, you got no arms. That's it. Boom. You don't really need a lot of training for that. All you need to do is, is, is cut the red wire instead of the blue wire, and boom, you're in a movie winning Oscars. What the fuck? Uh, and I guess he went on, he had like one or two more roles after that, but what's the point? What is the point? Because then every time you see that guy in a movie, you're like, oh, it's the no-arm guy from fucking Best Years of Our Lives. It's that idiot who got drunk and fucking has a hook, and, he's, and, oh, and, and then he's... Look, I may have talked about this before. I apologize, but it's now come up, so I'm going to bring it up. There's, this is something in this movie, he's got no arms, right? And, uh, and he comes home. And his best girl from next door, like he meets with his family and she comes over and she's like, Roger, I'm so happy you're home. And he's like, oh, I like seeing you, Sally, but there's no way you can love me because I got no arms. And then the whole movie is this bullshit pity party for no arms and the girl constantly patting behind him going, I do love you. I do love you. I don't care about hands. And he's just like, come on now. I can't even tie my shoes. I'll tie your shoes for you. I love you. Get the fuck away from me. I'm so sad with no arms. God damn Germans. Uh, and, and then you, you hate the guy. I hated the guy because he's putting this poor woman on the spot, but he's continually making her prove how much she loves him. When in reality, He's the one if you're doing the heavy lifting, which he can't fucking do because he doesn't have any fucking arms. So in this relationship, buddy, you're the one who's got to do the heavy lifting. You're the one who came home a fucking jigsaw puzzle. Don't blame this chick. And also you got two fucking hooks for hands. You expect her to get excited to get finger blasted by you with gardening implements hanging from your fucking shoulders. That's not happening. Nobody's happy about that. But in the movie, he's but he's the sad one. Like we get we're supposed to fucking empathize with him. I don't empathize with this motherfucker. I mean, look. Yes, I empathize that his fucking nation sent him overseas to kill people and then lose his arms. That sucks. There's, it's nothing good. But don't come home and take it off on, on a fucking Sally next door who's been waiting for you to come home. And then she's like, I'm sure in her brain, she's like, he hasn't written me in a while. I wonder why not. Well, here, I can tell you exactly why not, because the guy's got a fucking coat room from for arms now. There's no fucking reason to think that this dude could ever grab a pen again. Although, but that's another thing in the movie, they show you all like the neat tricks he can do. Like he can light his own cigarette. And it's so, it's so awkward because everybody stops talking. Uh, he's like, no, that's okay. I got it. And he fucking takes a pack out and he takes the cigarette out. He puts it in his mouth and then he lights a match and then he lights a cigarette and it takes easily nine minutes. That could be an exaggeration, but it's something along those lines. All right. Even if it takes 15 seconds, 15 seconds in a movie is an eternity to watch somebody do anything unless they're doing sleight of hand magic. Like if you want to have Ricky Jay do some bullshit in silence for fucking 15 to 30 seconds, I'm wrapped. I'm watching the whole goddamn thing. But if instead you're telling me I got to watch half a cyborg light a cigarette, I'm out. I'm checking the fuck out, man. It's not for me. 
Um, I know, but we're supposed to gloss over all that and be like, ooh, ah, look how in control of his hooks he is. I don't care. I mean, good for you. I I mean, because again, there's only a couple situations. Once you get your hands blown off, right, your fucking arms, whatever the fuck, you got two choices. You can be handless motherfucker or you can be Hooky Jones. And you're like, if I'm going to be Hooky Jones, I better learn how to be Hooky Jones. You can't just be Hooky Jones and have them hanging from your fucking shoulders. And then people are going to manipulate the hooks for you. Fuck that, man. You got to learn how to control them. Whether it's with the fucking left behind stumps or your goddamn mind, you better turn those hooks into goddamn weapons and tools. Exactly. Get out there and do some gardening. Fucking fucking tear up some drywall. Go help Patton in his garage. <laughs> that guy's got some shit to do. He needs somebody with hooks for arms to go ahead and take care of some fucking business. Why not? Fucking Patton. Idiot. Why am I mad at Patton? All right. Uh, but so, so in that movie, man, he just... We're supposed to empathize with fucking no hands. And then there's the third guy. Like I said, he's like a big fucking major colonel or whatever the fuck. And then he gets picked up. You know, he sees his wife and she's like, darling, darling, you know, because it's the fucking 40s or whatever. You know how the acting is. Darling, darling, I'm so happy. And she hugs him. And again, like I said, the first thing you would do is you'd be like, where's the where are the kids? And she's like, well, they're out. And he's like, really? Get fucking naked let's do this because i i am gonna storm the beach at your fucking pussy let's do it right now god damn pussy d normandy put norman pussy d that's what i'm storming jesus christ it's d-day lady because i'm home and you're getting the fucking d uh but instead this dude comes home and he's like, well, uh, where's the sandwich fixings? I'd love to have some. So I'd love a bologna. So whatever the fuck, idiot. And then he's like, let's go drinking. And then he meets his old army buddies. He takes his wife and his kids out to meet the old army buddies. And then they're all drinking in a fucking saloon singing like, you know, from the shores of Montezuma. And the wife is like, I, you know what? I haven't fucked anybody in four years for you. Like, do you know how many guys I could have fucked? You know how many 4F male men who came here and rang the bell and like fucking raised their eyebrows at me when they asked if I was home alone and I turned them all down because I couldn't wait for you to get home and give me a five star fuck. But instead you take take your generalship to the fucking corner saloon and you go Tin Pan Alley with a bunch of other fucking leathernecks. I'm not interested, man. Take me home and work me. But she's very kind in the movie and she's just like, well, I'm I'm trying to understand everything that you went through and I understand what he went through. This fucking guy, you know, he had to barbecue whole villages of Japanese people. He had to fucking run a bayonet through fucking German guys' Adam's apples. He's all fucked up. But it doesn't mean you don't want to fuck anybody. I mean, I don't know. What do I know? I haven't fucking stabbed anybody in the throat. I can't imagine wanting to stab somebody in the throat and then immediately wanting to fuck. Because if you do, now you're Dexter. Now you got some fucking issues. Now you're a fucking weirdo. All right. Now you're the tooth fairy in Manhunter. If you're a fucking, hey, man, I just stabbed that dude in the throat and there's blood all over me. I got to fuck something. Well, he's not going to fight me. And then you just fucking plow him in the ass because he's dead. Because um, you're if you get like if you get a hard on after stabbing somebody in the throat. Yeah, you got to find a couch to lay on and a person to talk to. But I'm assuming he didn't stab anybody in the throat that fucking day. War's been over for a while. He had to put his clothes in a duffel bag. He had to go to the airport. He had to fucking have a couple of celebratory drinks with some dudes he'll never fucking see again. And rightfully fucking so. Let me ask you this. I understand you go overseas and I'm not in a foxhole. I don't know these fucking guys. So I'm not like, oh, man, I love you because there's got to be a kinship and you, you trust people with your lives and the teamwork. All of that something I'll never know because I never experienced it. Trusting another human being or a group of human beings with your life at all times has to be an unbelievably complicated thing in your head when it ends. 
because then you come home and you're like, oh man, I counted on like 25 dudes and now my wife's telling me to clean the fucking garage. Like, I mean, you know what I used to be able to do when somebody told me to clean the garage is I would shoot them in the forehead and then I would steal their teeth. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm coming home. I got an ear necklace. I can't show anybody because nobody over here fucking thinks it's the best. I back where I was when I was in fucking Phnom Penh or whatever the fuck, I'd be like, check out this ear necklace. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, look at my ear necklace. There was a dude who made one of those fucking click clack things on top of your desk out of balls, but he had somehow made the balls petrified. So they made the click clack noise like balls are soft. Grab yours. Feel them right now. But yet this guy turned it into a cool ass office toy. But then here was the bad thing. We were in the back of a uh, of a hospital ambulance once and uh, and we had to be deathly quiet because the uh, you know, the, the villain, the even the enemy was outside. And then uh, he started playing with the click clack. And we're like, what the fuck? Quiet, dude. And uh, and then we had to smother him. We had to smother him right there. <laughs> we hated it. It stays with us. Don't think it doesn't stay with us. But uh, but yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't stop playing with you. And it was it was it honestly it made for one of the most sobering 30 minute episodes of my life. Uh, but in, so in this movie, these dudes come home from the war and they don't want to fuck their wives. And even on the radio, too, they don't want to fuck their wives. They're all like, ah, let's go out to the track or let's go. <laughs> let's go to the saloon with the boys. And it's just like, man, I can't. And it's again, because women were such an afterthought, I suppose. I don't fucking know. And, and things have changed really. And also, but then, but then I'll tell you what, then watch coming home. Let me ask you about that. You ever see coming home that deals with it in a realistic fashion. That's got your Bruce Dern's. That's got your Jane Fonda's. That's got your fucking John Voight's. If you have not seen coming home, you should watch it because it is devastating, devastating. And, uh, and the end will ruin you. I don't mean to spoil shit, but the whole movie will ruin you because you realize there's love and then there's love interrupted and then there's love corrupted and then there's love discovered and there's love rejoined and then love rejected. And it is, it is astonishing to watch because people have grown differently over their experiences. And whereas this, the best of, uh, of the best years of our lives tries to act like these guys came home and, and the wives were like, all right, let's do it. Let's get back together. And I probably, you know what? that's a wrong example to use because I'm sure there were a lot of movies where the guy came home and everything was normal. Best years of our lives at least tries to deal with the fact that it wasn't normal anymore. These dudes had shit they were going through, but coming home does it in a, in on in the most fucking crushing way. I mean, I, I can't even explain it to you. No, it's no fucking Rocky sitting in the dark going, I can't find your legs to Colonel Troutman, but it, it deals with, um, the scramble head bullshit people had to put up with when they were over there doing that kind of bullshit. So it's, it's whatever. Anyway, the point is, uh, <laughs> no, well, I don't even know how I got into this. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I would, I would, the point is if I ever go to war and I have to kill a bunch of people and then I come home, I am fucking somebody immediately. There's no, I'm not going to go sing fucking, uh, uh, you know, the old time rag down at the goddamn bar. I'm not going to drink a bunch of rye whiskey with the boys. Uh, I am, there will, there will not be a time that my face does not smell like pussy. The, in, in the first month after I'm home from the war, uh, by the way, I'm never going to the war. It's not going to, I'm 54 years old. I, I also, if there is a war and I somehow get, get in recruited into it, which will never happen. But if it does, uh, like I like the water wars are coming. We all know this, but if there is some way that I somehow get placed into the war, I'm never coming home. We know this, 
I I will be dead in in instant. I'll be I'll be fucking Niedermeyer. I'll get killed on the boat over. These guys will be so fucking mad at me because I'll just be bitching about the entire thing. And I you know I gotta have an I, I gotta have a window seat on the plane over to fucking wherever we're fighting guys. And they're like, sorry, not gonna happen. So the dude brings the violin home and his wife, like I said, he doesn't fuck his wife and he goes upstairs and he's practicing the goddamn, uh, uh, the, the music. Uh, and I, I look, I don't want to spoil the end for you, but let's just say that this guy stole the fucking violin and it didn't go well. So don't steal a violin. If you ever go to war, steal something else, find something else to take, <laughs> bring home, bring a, swallow a diamond and then shit it out. When you get home, don't fucking bring home a goddamn violin. Nothing good's going to happen from that. Um, but that's what I love is when those old move, those old fucking radio shows have some ridiculous plot that couldn't possibly be anything that you would do today. Like I said before, it's always some guy who wants to kill his wife so he can marry another woman. It's like no, no, nobody wants to get laid in old time radio. They always just want to they want to they want a divorce. So they can marry the other girl instantly because they can't just say, "Man, I I cannot wait to fuck the shit out of this chick." Uh, they have to say, "Oh my god, I can't wait to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you." Well, you just you're getting out of one mistake. You probably said that same exact thing to the woman you've married that you're fucking hating in this episode right now, and also. The woman is either like really super scorned or the woman is super innocent. There's no there's, there's not a lot of shades of gray in old time radio, even with the guys as well. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but I will tell you that the detectives, there's always that uh, that hint that uh, the paired detectives, regular detectives like Sam Spade and shit like that. They're fucking all the chicks in the world. They're banging their secretaries. That's fine. But whenever you but when there's if you hear uh, Mr. Keen, tracer of lost persons. Oh, that guy. It's Mr. Keen and his faithful partner, Mike. <laughs> and he's he's an old guy and here's the best here's my favorite thing in the entire thing all right so mr keen uh and he'll come in and it like to a mystery or whatever the fuck and someone will say who are you and he's like i'm mr keen and they'll be like oh the, the famous detective i'm glad you're here we were just thinking of you uh because you know word always gets around town that there's a famous detective and everybody knows his goddamn name it's the fucking it's the stupidest thing in the world it makes no sense um but Mr. Keen also has the, his muscle is his partner, Mike. And uh, and you and, you know, Mike is is half a torch. I mean, there's no doubt that Mike and, and Mr. Keen are sleeping together because they always arrive together. There, there's no Mike's never like, hey, Mr. And he, oh, this is the best part. So I was going to say Mike is Mr. Keen's muscle. He's his partner. He's uh, he kicks down the doors while Mr. Keen analyzes the clues. They just they're a perfect team, a perfect blend. Why, if Mr. Keene were to sit on Mike's shoulders, I would call them the master blaster of old time detectives where, you know what, where Mr. Keene ends, Mike begins and vice versa, where, where we, where you find a space, uh, on Mr. Keene waiting to be filled. Mike is standing there waiting to fill it. Oh, and fill it vigorously. He does. Um, but in these things, uh, They'll they'll show up at the crime scene and be like, and this dude, we don't I we don't even know Mr. Keene's name except Mr. Keene. But here's my favorite thing again. Like I said, Mike's his partner. His fucking he's the he's the muscle. He solves clues. He runs to get documents. He does all that kind of shit. And he's Irish too. He's got an Irish lilt. And he took he took uh, uh, saints preserve us. I can't believe what we discovered. Can't believe it. Uh, but here's the best. But they're both old. You can tell. But also, Mr. Keene will say. Uh, Mike, going to need you to get into the kitchen and open that door. And he'll go, right, Mr. Keene. He calls him Mr. Keene. They're, they're, they're partners forever. I, I mean, I, just hearing them talk, they can finish each other's sentences. They are, they are in love, as much in love as any couple could ever be. You know they are. And so now the only thing I can think of 
this has to be part of the kink, right? This this has to be part of the fucking role playing. Like like they you know, in in the bedroom, I'm sure it's uh Mike gets called Mr. Mike and Mr. Keen is the bitch or whatever the fuck. But in public, Mr. Keen gets off on humiliating Mike by making him call him Mr. Keen. And look, perhaps I am imposing my own particular perspective on this show. Maybe it wasn't meant to be like this, but this is how I interpret it. Why the fuck else would the guy who's the muscle who carries the gun, who beats dudes up and fucking cleans house? Why would he have to call the other guy Mr. Keen when they're partners or associates or whatever the fuck? He's like, this is my associate, Mike. Uh, Mike is Mike. Mike's not Mr. Mike, not Mr. Nelson. It's Mr. Keen and Mike. And everybody in town knows them as Mr. Keen and Mike. That's absolutely part of the fetish, right? There's no doubt that Mike is uh, Mike is trying to call, once called him like Steve and because he's Steve Keen, clearly. And he's like, hey, Steve. And he's like, ah, Mike. When we're out of the bedroom, my name is Mr. Keen. I don't know. He became Michael Caine all of a sudden. And, but also but bullshit. Mike's in on it. Mike asked him, can I can I call you Mr. Keen while we're in public? You can. You will. You must. You should. Uh, but then they go solve crimes. And then, you know, when they go home, it's like dude, the mystery is left right at the goddamn door. He's getting trussed up and fucking railed by goddamn Mike. Mike's letting him have it because he's the muscle. Goddamn it. He gets oiled up. Mr. Keene dresses up in like some frilly outfit and has to shine up his muscles with a goddamn baby oil. Then they slide all over one another. Nuru style in the fucking bed. Man, I got to fuck something. Look at me. This is crazy. Why am I thinking about Mr. Keene and Mike rolling at it and going at it and fucking touching muscles? Jesus, fuck. I got to I got to stick my dick in something, a, a wall, a cake, a pool, whatever the fuck. All right. Uh, hi how you doing good i hope so um so so my point is you'll you may hear uh noises we've gotten through most of the show so far i don't know about most of the show i don't know if i could end it now couldn't i i probably could but how you'd be mad at me though you'd be like what the fuck man but would you be mad i don't know i don't know if i told you this i saw on the internet there was a guy who said a free podcast i'm joking of course i know i told you that all right um i don't know how i wound up down this fucking rabbit hole i, I do want to tell you this uh, in the show that came out two fucking days ago, God damn it. However long ago it was, what the fuck? Well, I can't do two of these a week. Um, but it's my own fault. I'm doing two of these weeks. I promised I would do two of them a week. I'm even a day late on this fucking one. I'm furious at myself, but it's not really late. Shut up. Uh, I wanted to, I didn't, I alluded to this in the last episode and then I looked at the dates because again, it was three fucking weeks through between shows and I didn't even get to tell you this story. So this isn't really a story. It's just the anecdote about my bicycle and I have a, but you know, by the way, I hate calling it a bicycle. Like it's a bike. If I have a bike, then I'm a grown up. Then I'm Greg Lamond. All right. Then I'm getting shots in the ass and I'm winning races in the Alps. That's fine. If I get a bike, that's what I do. But if I get a bicycle, I, if, if you got a bicycle, it might as well have a bell on it. Right. Ching, 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 ching. And then just fucking rolling around in your bicycle and, and there's training wheels and, and people are pointing and gawking and laughing. But a bike, now yeah, there you go. Now you're a tough guy. Now you're getting some business. I don't know if you're a tough guy. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, I'm real tough. I, I pull up to a crime scene with a cape and a bike. <laughs> fucking school somebody. But regardless, you know what though? Bike is tough for, tougher than bicycle. I, it's like Mike is tougher than Michael. Uh, it just is. That's just the way it is. Ask Mike Royko. He'll tell you. I got a column from him on my fridge that says that exact same thing. Try to Google it. Uh, he has a, It was an article about Michael Jordan. Uh, and about how Mike is a, is a tougher name than Michael, even though Michael, because Michael's friend, Jordan's friends call him Mike, whatever. You got to read the article. It's fucking great, but it's on my fridge and now it's yellowing and I hate it because I want to laminate it. Um, 
because I've kept it for 8,000 years. Mike Rocco's been dead for two centuries, two decades. I, I literally, in my brain, that's not, that wasn't a fucking, that wasn't a mistake I made on purpose to be silly. I, I actually transposed centuries for decades because centuries is, is 200 years. I don't think Mike Rocco's been dead for 200 years. That's my guess. Uh, because he wouldn't have a whole lot of stuff to say about Michael Jordan if he'd been dead for 200 years. Unless he was writing a ghostly column from beyond the grave. Now that I could, I, that I'm behind. If you want to write a ghostly column from behind, beyond the grave, I'm going to read it. Even if papers are dead, as we've mentioned earlier, I, I will buy Look, I here's the deal I make to you. Columnists and journalists, I make this deal to you right now. If you write a ghostly column from beyond the grave that runs in a newspaper, I will not only purchase that newspaper, I will subscribe to that newspaper just for you. I don't give a fuck about lawn ads or the sports or whatever the fuck, the local section or the color, uh, the cups column, the gossip, whatever the fuck. If you rotting in your coffin yet floating through the spirit world are able to churn out 2000 word columns every week, I will subscribe to that newspaper just to read it. So take heed, journalists. Start looking into the occult so you can see, keep newspapers alive <laughs> even after your death. This is the key. This is the key to saving print. We've been told by Egon Spengler that print is dead, and I can't uh, disagree with him more if they're going to have ghost columnists. Now, here's what I will tell you this. My theory of having the ghost columnist keeping papers alive flying directly in the face of Egon Spengler telling us that print is dead in order to make his statement true. Does Egon Spengler bust the ghosts journalists who are trying to write for the newspapers. What do you think? I banged the table for emphasis, ladies and gentlemen. I looped it all together. I'm going to support newspapers with ghost journalists because Egon Spengler said that print is dead. Well, this keeps print alive, but because Egon Spengler not only said that print is dead, he wants print to be dead because he wants to be correct. He corrals his friends into busting the ghosts of journalists who will try to keep print alive. Yeah, that's right. I just came up with that shit on the fly. I am fucking great at this. I'm going to sip some water now. Hold on. Ah, there you go. That's what I needed. That woke me up. Uh, <laughs> so I have a I have a bike. I don't have a bicycle. Get off my dick. I got a bike. God damn it. Because, uh, you know, I got I wear my fucking denim jacket with born to lose on it. Uh, me and Billy Jack and the rest of the born losers. Um, actually Billy Jack fought against the born losers. If you've ever seen the born losers movie, which I saw at the Brighton theater in Chicago on Archer Avenue, which may or may not still be there, but when it was there when I was a kid and that's where, and now I think about this all the time. And I've talked about this on previous shows. Uh, my mom would just drop us at the movies and, uh, and I don't know what she was doing. I mean, she might've been, I don't know, fucking doing drugs or working a second job to keep us alive because my dad was a fucking drunk. But Lenny and I would go to the Brighton theater to watch uh, movies, double features. Sometimes that's where I saw juggernaut, which is a movie from 1974. <laughs> I was seven. I got dropped at a theater by myself and it was me and Lenny. And, uh, and I believe the Brighton had a balcony. Now we never sat in the balcony, which is good because you would have never seen me again. This show does not exist if I try to sit in the theater, the Brighton Theater balcony, because I am stolen and passed around like a joint by pedophiles all over the south side of Chicago. Not happening. So luckily, uh, Lenny and I would go. And Lenny was uh, in 74. How old was he? He was 10. So, you know, he could, he could defend me if any bullshit hit the fucking, the, the, the fucking fan. Man, it's weird. I've talked about this many times, but you look back and you're like, that's insane. 
a 10 and a seven year old were dropped off at the theater by themselves. Nobody said a fucking thing. It was fine. Everything was fine. There was like a lunch counter down the street, like a sandwich counter by the bus stop that we would go to. And then we'd go to the Brighton theater and, uh, and watch uh, uh, double features and such. We would watch movies. Uh, insane. All right. Um, so that's where I saw Born Losers with Billy Jack, which I think was rated R. I, I don't even know how the fuck I got in there to see it. How does that work? I don't how do it look? I don't even know how a 10 and a seven year old get into the theater because we did not own a trench coat. All right. I was not on anybody's shoulders. There was no bullshit. We just we bought tickets and went in because, you know what? This whole country is a lie. Nobody ever checks IDs. Nobody ever checks fucking, you know, unless you're buying booze. Even then I bought booze when I was a kid. That was the greatest triumph in the world when you bought booze when you're fucking 16 years old. Nobody asked you about it. You just bought a fucking case of beer. And I didn't even drink. But I was the biggest fucking dude of all of us sometimes. And so I had to go in and fucking, it was, and you had to get, take your own turn. Once I started growing mutton chops and not shaving, I was like, ah, that's right. I totally look like a grown up in my flannel and my UFO concert shirt. Let me go in and purchase some booze. And it fucking worked. The fuck is wrong with this society? But even worse, at 10 and 7, we get into an R-rated movie. We just walk up and like, hi, tickets for the born losers, please. Yes, of course. Go watch Billy Jack as he shoots a guy right between the eyes and his glasses break. And that is a completely true scene that I can never forget. Here it is. It is fucking 47 years later. And I remember this guy had white sunglasses and he gets shot directly between the eyes and the glasses break and the frames fall apart. And it's, I, it's such a, it's for me, it is that scene is like breathing. Like I, I, I remember it from my youth. Like I do my first communion. I might even remember it better than my first communion. The only reason I remember my first communion is because I've seen pictures of it. I remember the clip on tie I had to wear. And I remember the dry feel of the wafer on my tongue. That that first communion is a wake up call, man, because you don't know what the fuck is going on. And then all of a sudden you get up there and then the, and then the priest, the, dude, that fucking church is weird. All church is fucking weird. This, this, anybody's washing the pope's feet or some priest is putting his thumb in my mouth. What a fucking drag, right? God damn Christians wake the fuck up or Catholics or whoever the fuck. I don't want to lump everybody in together, even though you're all the fucking same. Everybody's got their fucking superhero, right? So it was whatever the fuck Jesus's guys. That's what I had. I had a first communion. I never got confirmed though. So I don't know what that means at the end of the fucking, whenever this happened, if there is anything upstairs and I show up and they're like, Hey, who are you? And I'm gonna be like, I, what, what are you talking about? It's me, Mike Schmidt. They're going to like, I, uh, I have no listing of you in the book. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're going to be like, I, I, I had a first communion. They're going to be like, did you get confirmed? I don't, what does that mean? Were you confirmed by the church? I, I'm here, right? I'm a guy. You see me. Uh, you don't exist in our books. You could be a wraith. I'm not a wraith. I'm, I'm Mike Schmidt. I got to be in your book. I had a podcast. <laughs> Doesn't that make me stand out here in heaven? I don't think any of the other fucking podcast idiots are going up here. Although they might be. I don't know. Even the Jesus podcast dudes. Dude, I started following a Jesus chick on Twitter. We know. All right. And uh, full disclosure. Uh, I thought she was very attractive at first. When I, I, someone was like, there was an article where she, she basically renounced some of the teachings of Christians and said, Hey man, we should start following Jesus instead of these other idiots, which is, you know, the earthly Christians or everybody in their bullshit. Idea. She, she, I, I don't know the, the doctrine. I don't know any of it. All I know is, you know, I thought churches were supposed to be nice to one another and, and good to the poor and whatever the fuck. And she's kind of like, Hey, we need to get back to that. And then all of the other Christian people with their Maseratis, and their swimming pools filled with gold doubloons went out, heretic. <laughs> and they and they they repossessed her private jet, leaving her only with another private jet. 
<laughs> but she's like a mega church chick, right? And so, and but then I I read this article where she had this kind of, uh, pardon the phrase, a come to Jesus realization where she's like, man, we got to help people. Like this is just not. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. This is not who we are or where we should be. And I I thought, again, even though I don't believe in the ghost story, uh, I felt that her heart was in the right place. And I was like, you know what, this woman, I find this interesting. And I think I would like to follow her to see her journey and see how this manifests itself. Now, and she just went into my 600 Twitter people that I follow and she occasionally comes up. I'm not following her super close. When she comes up, I will click and read the things that she posts if I see her, you know, so happen to catch her. But, um, you know, from everything she writes or says, it seems like she's someone who genuinely cares about people, which is, again, you can do that without having to go, hey, hi, I'm a J-man and flash your Jesus badge. You know what I mean? Uh, And good for her. But she also will. She'll put in like a Bible verse and she'll be like, oh, you know, when you come to the river with the lamb, occasionally the shrub will be on fire. And please know that that is temptation walk past that burning shrub. You and the lamb should disappear into the horizon and help whomever you can find. You know what I mean? All that, whatever. And that's good. Good for you. That's, and that's a good sentiment, right? Avoid the, avoid the hot fire and, and keep walking with your lamb to go help people. I may have made some of that up, but still it's a good sentiment. Even, you know what? If that's not in your Bible, fucking put it in there. Maybe, maybe that's how you win me over. And now put it in your digital one. Don't put it in print because you got Spengler will come and bust you because he does not want any more, any more ghostly Bible verses either. Spengler. It's a heel turn for Spengler on this goddamn show. Um, so I follow the Jesus lady on Twitter. I don't know. How the fuck did she come up? I don't even know. Uh, was it a thing? We talked about Spengler and print. Fuck it. Who knows? I can't tell you. Uh, bike, born losers. I was a child. See, this is when it gets, this is when I need a producer. She can fucking point at me and I would remember everything that was going on. Uh, anyway, I was a child and, uh, I went and saw a movie called the born losers and, uh, I shouldn't even be there, but those guys rode on bikes. That was the thing. They were a motorcycle gang and that's bikes. I, I don't think anybody in a motorcycle gang is like, Ooh, look at my bicycle. Shing, ching, shing, ching, and ringing the fucking bell. That's not happening. And I'm not putting cards in the spokes or any of that bullshit. Uh, although I almost had a thing like that. All right. So that gets me into the fucking story. I wanted to tell you or anecdote, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I, uh, I had to pick up my bike. All right. Not my bicycle back off, but I had to pick up a bike. And, uh, and so I had to go to the, um, whatchamacallit the, uh, all right. So, all right. First of all, as I told you, my buddy Dennis, uh, bought this bike for me as a gift and it was incredibly nice and it was delivered to my house. Now, like I said, I would have liked to have had a voice because I could have said, maybe you deliver it to this bike shop and then they can build it and then I can pick it up instead of me figuring out a way to schlep it. Uh, but it worked out fine. My buddy John had a car that was big enough. We slept it over there. I didn't know how I was going to get it home. And I told you, everybody was like, you should ride it home. Uh, what the fuck? It's a bike. And I was like, no, I can't. There's cars and traffic. I, I, I'll be dead instantly. There's no way it's happening yet. I have to learn how to ride the bike. Now, I will tell you this. As I told you in the show from a fucking day ago, whatever the fuck it was, uh, I haven't ridden the bike yet. I would really like to take it out this weekend. That's kind of my plan. I want to get on the bike and at least give it a couple of spins. Uh, I do have some stuff to do this weekend where I will actually be out of the house doing things. What? Yes. Uh, I, I have plans Saturday and Sunday. And here's the thing. Here's what my normal plans would be on Saturday. I'd be watching the fucking amazing Nick Diaz comeback fight on the UFC and then uh, and then watching baseball end. And then on Sunday, I'd be watching the Bears in Cleveland and I'd watch our great friend Justin Fields debut and, uh, you know, start the 15 year reign of Justin Fields as the best quarterback in Chicago Bears history. Uh, but instead... 
I have other plans. Like I, I have, uh, I'm going with people to places, which is fucking insane. I, I, I'm excited and we'll see how it goes, but that should be fun. Um, so I may also take the bike out. We'll see if I can get it out late. And again, cause I'm look, I'm not going to be a daytime bike guy. I'm going to be a nighttime bike guy in the beginning. And also I can't just take the bike somewhere and leave it because I do not have a chain. That's the one thing I didn't buy yet. I didn't buy the water bottle thing. Cause my buddy was, well, my buddy was like, all right, look, Dennis is fucking, I, like I told you, he's fucking Steve bike. So he's like, here, do this and this. He's like, make sure you get a water bottle and make sure you get this and that. And I bought pads. I bought gloves. I bought all sorts of ridiculous stuff, Bought a helmet. Uh, the helmet is what I needed. The pads were, I just bought them for whatever. And by the way, I put the pads on. Hey, you know who they don't think will be riding a bike? Fat guy, uh, which is fine. Uh, so I have to struggle to put the pads on. The, the elbow pads are fine. I mean, my it, it actually makes my bicep look a lot huger, which is fucking awesome because it's, it's pinches. But the knee, you know, my calves are gigantic. If you ever meet me, just, just ask to see my calves. You're going to want to. It's really impressive. If anything, I should take a photo of them and post it because you're going to be like, holy fuck, look at those goddamn things. They look like cinder blocks. I mean, they're fucking, they're just, again, and, that's from, and look, that's not from fucking being a workout king. That's just from general life. That's from carrying around this fucking huge frame that I've supported for the past 35 fucking years. That's just, that's the calves do regular work just trying to fucking walk me from room to room. Um, but I will say this, when I am lifting and I'm hitting leg day and all that kind of stuff, then then you get the tone. Then you get some definition in my legs. And also, I will lose weight in my legs, but that'll be stripping the fat, but also defining the muscles. And holy shit, then, then do my legs, man. And I'm anticipating the bicycle will do some of that. What? Bicycle? No, I mean a bike. God damn it, I've just outed myself. Uh, I'm assuming the bike rides will do that sort of thing. It'll tone my legs and, and in addition to doing leg days and leg presses and uh, this became a leg show. So uh, hopefully I can do that. But anyway, so the pads, as I tried to put on my knee pads, you know, you have to, uh, they're not, they're not like the kind of pads, like a coffin where you open it and then you snap it around your knee. No, I've got to go, uh, you got to pull them on over the foot, over the ankle, over the biggest calf in North America and then try to somehow line it up over my knee while also then getting the top to function with the largest thigh on the Eastern seaboard. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, so I put them on the other day. (laughs) This is true. I put them on and then I sat around in them in the house. Like I, because that's the one thing I was like, all right, this is kind of making progress toward riding the bike. At least if I put the pads on. So I, I cut the price tags off and I separated them and I put them on and, uh, and then I was like, maybe this will, I can stretch them out a little bit by wearing them in the house. And I got up and I walked around and I flexed my knees and stuff and did some, uh, did a couple of squats and, uh, and did what I could to try to stretch them and make them fit my body, uh, better. And I've done that before with shoes. Cause I have some, uh, I have some Nikes that are super fucking awesome, but, uh, but man, they're hard to get on cause I, I have a giant foot. And so I've occasionally, I've just put them on and worn them around the house for an hour just to try to stretch them a little bit and, and acclimate them to who I am. But then you're just sitting down in them. You're not really stretching anything. I don't know. I look, I'm not fucking Yves St. Laurent. I don't know how to fix fucking clothes. So whatever. I, I, I can't stretch shoes. I don't do good at stretching pads, but I'm doing my best. So I put the pads on, but I still haven't ridden the bike. So 
but Dennis was like, hey, man, um, you should take this bike to this bike shop and then they'll build it. And then that you develop a rapport with the guys at the bike shop and they become your friends and you ask him this and they'll inflate the tire to this thing. He go, he's and he's like, literally, hey, man, tell them to inflate it to 32 PSI, but not this high. And then tell them to do this. And then also ask him about this and ask him what the best pad, you know, the best helmet is. And then he's like, you got to establish a rapport with your bike shop, because when you do that, then you come in and they're like, hey, Mike. And they're like, you know, they tighten up bolts or whatever the fuck they got to do for you. And uh, it's it's a really good way you get a relationship going with these guys. And he goes, and you're going to need it. He goes, because this bike's going to need to go in or periodically, whether it's a tire or, a, you know, the gear, whatever the fuck, you're going to need them to take it. And if they know you and you know them, you'll know you're not going to get fucking hosed. And I'm like, I, I mean, this is overwhelming for me because, like I told you, I don't want to, I don't even see my neighbors bringing celery. And I'm supposed to go talk to the bike guys and make them my best friend? What the fuck? Um, like, I felt a great accomplishment when I finally found a mechanic that was my friend that I liked and trusted. And now he's moved because of the pandemic. There were two dudes. There's two dudes I go get my, uh, you know, you know, Australian Dave, remember Dave? Hey, right. Hey, Mike, good to see you. Bring the car in, right? Hello, good day, mate. Let's take a look at that car, right? Uh, might be cocky, I'm not sure. But uh, Dave moved. Dave left. He left California. I don't know if he's back in the outback, helping Mad Max fix his fucking vehicle. I, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but he bailed on me. He didn't even, and he didn't even say goodbye. He didn't text me. He didn't go, hey, man, I'm splitting. So I made an appointment. I brought my car in, and uh, he had a partner who I, I, I genuinely like. Nice guy. But I went there because I established a personal rapport with Dave. Uh, the other guy, his partner, the owner of the shop, I suppose, uh, great guy, nice guy. But Dave and I could talk about pussy. You know what I mean? He was, he was very, uh, uh, he was a guy. He was a very randy kind of a fucking, uh, raw it might, I need to say something about that. Right. You say that fucking trim come in here, you know, that kind of thing. And I, uh, I like that. I don't have enough friends like that. Cause I told you all my comedian friends are all nice. And, uh, I don't have a lot of, uh, how do I put this macho idiot friends? A lot of, a lot of the fucking steakheads who are running around and talking to me, which, and again, I'm part steakhead. I wish I wasn't, I wish it didn't exist or it, it didn't alight itself into me. But, uh, but I, I, I genuinely like that. It's like, there's, um, how do I explain this? This, this might make sense when Charlie Murphy, I think I've talked about this before. God damn it. I apologize. I, I keep repeating myself. Charlie Murphy is telling the Rick James stories on Chappelle show. And he's explaining why he liked hanging out with Rick James. And uh, I can't say exactly the word he used, but he said, you know what? He goes, I, I liked hanging out with Rick because he was, uh, he was mad and wordish. Uh, and, and said that he was, uh, which basically, uh, if once he tells the stories and you figure it out, he was street, he was tough. He was kind of a, he was a no nonsense fucking guy. And that's why he slaps, you know, Charlie Murphy in the face or they do dumb shit. Like, like he's, he's, a, a for lack of a better word, Rick James is a jagoff, and Charlie Murphy's like, I liked that about him. And I, I, you know, I feel the same way. Where you want, I don't want somebody like, you know, some self-destructive asshole is going to punch me in the head, but there is something to be said about somebody you can put in a hammer lock and just laugh. You know what I mean? Like, like if you can walk up and just, uh, fucking shove a guy into a wall and then he's like, ah, what the fuck? Get off me. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, I know that's the shit that little boys do to try to become men, but, uh, but at 54 still it's, it's in me to want to hit things or do stuff or wrestle or fuck people up or, and that's why when I like going to the gym and like throwing weights around, I, I don't know. It's. I would say masculine. It's not manly. It's more, it's just testosterone. That's all it is. And it's, it's, and you want to just fucking do it. You want to shove people. So like when I go to the gym, that's, that's my outlet for that. My buddy, John at the gym and my buddy Mariano at the gym, 
we'll talk sports. Like we'll talk sports the whole fucking time I'm there. Uh, you'll, or you'll, you know, a new trainer will come in or you'll see a woman working out and kind of like make an eye contact with the other guy. And you're just kind of like, yep. You know, that, that, uh, is it, is it wrong? Probably. Am I Alan Alda all the time? No, I'm not. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not fucking squiggy either, biting my fucking palm and chasing a girl around. All right. It's not happening. But at the same time, you see a hot girl in a thong, you're going to be like, and you just want one other person in the room to look at you and go, yeah, all right. You're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. That's good news. Uh, and also I will walk by, this is totally, this is true. Uh, Mariano is a, he's buff. He's really buff. John is super buff, but he's leaned out. But, but, but Mariano is a little like kind of big shoulders and big arms. And so I will walk by him and, uh, and I'll just fucking, I won't get out of his way. Like he'll be standing there and he's in my way and I just walk and I'll just, I'll fucking shoulder him right in the shoulder and knock him. And he just laughs because that's, it's just dumb, silly guy shit to do. And he'll do the same thing. Like he'll, he'll walk by me and he'll just fucking, he'll, you know, hit you in the shoulder or fucking push you. It just, I know it's silly, but there is a great appeal to that for me. I really enjoy that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, when he, he's like, you go to the, go to the gym or I'm sorry, go to the bike house and become bike friends with everybody. Uh, I'm like, all right, well maybe that'll be another crew that I can have these bike dudes who recognize who I am and what, what, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I schlep it over there to get it built. And, um, John, you know, comes over, he's got a bigger car and we put it in and, and we bring it over there to these guys now. Cause I will say this, Dennis was like, do this, do that. And tell him to do all these things. And I don't, man, I don't fucking know any of this stuff. And also if I did the shit Dennis said, I'd be a fraud. Cause Dennis is like, yeah, you got to get the, tell me inflate the tire to this. And then the PSI to that. And then this, and I'm like, I don't fucking know what these things mean. I'm literally going to read a text. Cause I did like in, in my head, I knew exactly what I was going to say when I got there. Uh, and this is what I, cause I, I also went, all right, first of all, I had to go around to different bike shops and there was some, the, the one that Dennis told me to go to first I went to. And, uh, and I may have already told you this story. It was a, uh, it, it was fine, but it was just, it was this shed that that had two guys working in it one guy owned it and the other guy was like you could tell clearly was some homeless dude who he was letting work there for a, for a donut i mean i don't know it just it didn't look like it it wasn't a rep a reputable operation that where there was a you know an osha sticker on the wall all right it was just it's a bike shop so it's this dude he's got this fucking rickety building on the corner and uh you can't get in because there's a gate that's closed because the pandemic and shit. And when I when I went to go visit this place, there was a homeless dude getting his bike fixed by the other homeless dude. And the fucking owner came out and he looked like fucking bike fixing Mark Marin. He comes out covered in elbow grease. And and I get it. I liked the guy a lot. I did. I was like, hey, you know, what do I do here? Can I buy stuff? And he's like, no, nah, you can't buy anything here. He goes, we just built the bike, you know, and, and uh, I'm like, well, how much? And he quotes me a price. I go, okay. So I go, so I just bring it and drop it off. Or what he, go? he goes, yeah. And I go, I go, can I, and I can, he goes, yeah, man, just bring it, fucking bring it whenever you want, you know? And, and, and I liked that. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, the reason, because I was establishing this with the, the mechanic now that I think about it. Uh, so then when I, when I called up, I didn't need to get my work, my cart work done during the pandemic. And my buddy Dave, who would leer at things with me and, you know, be kind of fucking, uh, uh, gross. I'm sure people will think it's gross, but I, when I called the, I made the appointment and I pulled up and I was like, uh, Oh, Dave's not working it. And he was not Dave left. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, Dave split. He went and, uh, he, you know, he gave me a layout of what he might've done. And I was just like, Oh, and again, like I said, I like the other guy, but he's just, he's just a guy and I trust him. 
I, I will say that that when you find a mechanic you trust and they always do right by you, that's pretty cool. But another bonus is I got to go in there and you know sometimes I'd I'd fucking go hey you want to get a sandwich or whatever and I hung out with Dave I liked him. So I haven't been back since because I because again with the pandemic I'm not driving so it's not like I need to fucking change the oil. <laughs> I'm actually probably at the end of the month I'll have to go uh, beginning of next month and take it in. But also when I do it I got to get some tires. Uh, I need a headlights, man. I will tell you this. I need headlights. And then Pat wrote me and he's like, man, here's the headlights you should get. And I'm like, all right, but I don't know. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to commit to it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like my headlights are fine. They, you know, well, let's put it this way. My headlights are not fine. One headlight is fine, but the other headlight, the, the fucking housing of it, you know, the, the thing over the lens, it's just dark yellow and it like light barely escapes it. I can't, I, I, so one light is normal. The other light is just fucking ruined. It's just, it gets through and it's not like the bulb is burnt out, but it doesn't matter. You can, I have to have my brights on to, you know, I, well, I don't have to, I like to have my brights on because then when I have my brights on, it looks like my regular lights are on. You know what I'm saying? So, and then Pat is like, Hey, so I looked it up and these are the ones you should get this housing. Well, then the housing is 200 bucks. And then he's like, and you can take it in to my mechanic and he'll put them in for 200 because Pat had to have the same procedure done on his car. And, I, and so then I'm like, oh, this is like 500 bucks and I don't really drive much at night anymore. And I mean, if I do, I can put the brights on kind of, and, and also that's 500 bucks. And also if I mentioned it's 500 bucks, Jesus fucking Christ, that's 500 bucks. Um, so I haven't done it yet, but, but it's a thing, you know, that I, I need to get done, whatever it is, it's neither here nor there, because the thing is my, my mechanic doesn't do it. He told me, he's like, no, we can't do it here. You'll have to get it done somewhere else. But I got to bring go to him with the fucking oil and the tires. But also, you know, I drove They're They're like 15 miles from my house. So I drove to them because I trusted them and because Dave was there. But now with Dave not there, Dave's not there. Dave's never there. Uh, now I'm like, well, do I find a guy closer to me? But also you got to go a long ways to find a guy that you trust. And uh, And I finally have somebody I've trusted now for the past like five, six years to take care of my car. And it's, it's not that hard to go drive down there because then it's on the west side and I can go get some fucking tacos anyway that I like there. Whatever. I'm a child. Um, so I, whatever. So it was my point is my relationship with my mechanics. Is, I understand why Dennis is saying I want to have that same relationship with the guys who are in the bike shop because they'll take care of you. And that's fine. Uh, so I went to the visit the Mark Marin bike shop and I I got a good vibe from the Marin. But it, but it was, again, this rickety garage. And it also looked to me like. I might come by there and it could be gone the very next day. You know what I mean? It either is a place that has been established and has been there for 34 years, or it's a fly by night joint that could be gone tomorrow. Like there'll be saying one of these homeless guys discards an oily rag near a candle. And then uh, I go there and it's just burned out skeletons. And my bike is a fucking pile of ash. And I don't want that. So I'm like, well, this place is okay. I suppose. So then I look for another place. Water. And uh, I liked this place. Uh, it's close by my house. I walked in. But again, very hole in the wall. Now, I don't know what the fuck I was looking for. I, well, I do know what I was looking for. I was in Denver. And Dennis and I went to bike shops. We went to two different ones. And they were big and brightly lit. And they had 100 bikes for sale and laptops where they looked shit up when you asked them about it. And it was these thin, wiry human string ties human bolo ties. You know what I mean? Like that shape, that kind of body shape. Uh, it just, it just looks like four slim gyms attached to a head. Just these tiny fucking sleek dudes. Uh, and, and not even tiny, long and angular, just, but, but just thin as fuck. Just if you built 
if you took here, it was like a cantaloupe on top of five pipe cleaners. You know what I mean? It was like, that's what they look like. And and it was fine. I dug them and they knew everything about bikes. They talked about locks. They could converse with you and they, they wanted to talk to you. And there was, cause Dennis is also, he's a chatter fucking box. So he walks in and it's like, ha 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 PSI ratings. Ha 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 tires. Ha frames. Oh, look at this fork. You know, and they, they started to talk bike and my eyes glazed over and I just walked around going, this one is neat. I like the paint. <laughs> and they're just like, well, when you get into the PSI and the wind resistance, as you're trying to take this through the trails. And I'm just like, I want handlebars, duh. Uh, but I liked it because they, I like a place that knows all the things I don't, that doesn't look at me like I'm stupid because I don't know those things and are more than happy to share their knowledge because they love it so much. They can't wait to get you addicted to it. That's how Dennis is. And that's how I wound up with a bike. Because when I mentioned to Dennis, I was, uh, I wanted to pick his brain about bikes. His face lit up in a way. And he's just like, bikes, you want a bike? Oh my God, you're getting a bike. And I go, I think so. I'm just, you know, I've been de- debating it. And that was when the fucking snowball started rolling downhill. And the next thing you know, I got a giant fucking box on my doorstep. It was fucking phenomenal. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, because I don't know anything about it. I was just like, I had, I got what I got and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I haven't ridden it yet. We'll see. But I knew I had a box that I had to get built. And so I was trying to find, so this other place, again, it was a family thing. And when I say a family thing, when I walked in, the dad was building a bike and there was, uh, the abuela (laughs) might've been the mom could have been the grandma. I don't know. She was age was a coin flip at this point. Hold on my neighbor. Can you hear it? I don't know if you can hear the yelling through the wall, but it makes me think that he can hear me through the wall too, which is kind of a drag. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't, I don't know how old this lady was, is my point. She, she could have been, she, she, she looked as if she could be, she was a larger woman and uh, she was in like a rocking chair. It was the kind of person you're startled to see in a business. Okay. Does that make sense? Normally you walk into a business and people are like, hi, can I help you? Or, I mean, I walked in and this woman was in a rocking chair behind the counter they, as if somehow they had built the shop around her. Like somehow she had the house and up. Okay. And, uh, and they tore it down and then they built this bicycle shop around her and it was a hole in the wall. It was, it was just dark in there and it smelled like rubber, which I must admit I did like that made me think of bikes. I was like, all right, this is, this is definitely a bike house because they got fucking rubber smell. Uh, but then there was a younger, probably a son, and he was, he was, I don't know, repurposing old inner tubes in some fashion. Uh, and then the girl at the counter who helped me might've been 13, maybe that's my guess. And again, look, maybe you see these people and you go, Mike is terrible with ages because I like, I thought the one lady was a grandma. I think this girl's a fucking toddler. I don't know. But regardless, it didn't look like it should be, it was a business. All right. Again, it looked like I stumbled into somebody's house and went, how are you doing? Can I have some pasole and talk about bikes? You know what I mean? It just seemed awful. And they were lovely. Uh, they, they, I liked the vibe from them, but I just, I also didn't care for like, they were like, uh, may I help you? And I'm like, yes, I, I have a bike, but I think I have to get it built, but I don't know what to do. Oh, Papa, he has a bike. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh man, now am I responsible for, am I going to be like their one customer this month? You know what I mean? It just, it just felt... 
And that was enough to drive me away. You would think that I would want to then, because no, there was too much pressure. Like you would think that I would then want to leave my bike and be their one customer. But as I've been told, I have to establish a relationship. Well, if this grandma's in a fucking rocking chair, this poor 13 year old's working. I'm going to want to save her and call something about human trafficking. I mean, it, it just the whole situation. I'm sure they're lovely and this is how they make their living. And and this bike shop has put two generations previously before uh, through college. And perhaps there was a violin on the premises. Sergio Mamesa was there to fix a bike. I don't know. All I know is it was like as much as I enjoyed them and I wanted to help them, I felt like I needed to run away as quickly as possible. Because it, it felt like, please, please don't go. How much, uh, well, how much to fix a bike? How, how much are you willing to pay, sir? <laughs> how, how much will you give us to fix your bike? We must to build it. Papa, his hands are not the way they used to be. His hands are gnarled and so, so misshapen. I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here, man. All of a sudden, I'm the fucking dude who's got to save this whole family from fucking poverty. Um, and they were very nice. Again, I, I did, believe me, because this thing where I have to establish a personal relationship, as I said, I didn't want to establish a personal relationship where I would feel like I would have to come in and hand them money just because I felt they were going to go under if I didn't. But at the same time, they had a family vibe, clearly. Uh, but it was an odd family vibe because you had a 13-year-old working the counter and they had an old man building bikes and then a kid repurposing stuff and, and giving me the fish eye. Like, I, he, I, I'm not to be trusted. Uh, and then the grandma just sitting there knitting. You know, making making uh, tamales, whatever the fuck. I don't know. They were they were they were a lovely family, but it just felt like maybe this isn't the place to leave my bike because if I have to have a relationship with these people, if I have to keep coming back and visiting, it would be great because I would have a rapport with them. But at the same time, uh, it also looked like it would all fall apart at any given second. Just like again, I don't know. I wanted a big fucking bike palace with bright lights electronic fucking life sapping lights that hum when you walk underneath them and a thousand bikes to look at and and a bunch of hipsters walking around with fucking tortoiseshell glasses going oh man you want to know about this trail it's a fantastic trail man not this poor shoeless imp trying to get me to leave a bike so her papa can buy books for her fucking school it seemed terrible uh and i'm not heartless i want to help these people but at the same time i they're a business. They're in business to do business, you would imagine. They're not in business for me to save them from themselves. <laughs> it just seemed like well, it was it was less a business than it was a rescue operation of some sort. And perhaps this was my perception, and I, I assume it was. Uh, but I, And they were very kind. And so I actually went through the dance because I felt bad because I knew I wasn't going to be leaving the bike there. I was like, I'd love to come back. What are your hours? And then the toddler was like, oh, we are going to when, to, when would you like to come back? Tell us we will be here. We will unlock the door. We will. We sleep in the back already. Just let us know when to be awake. Uh, and then I had to look around. I go, hey, do you guys sell helmets and stuff or pads? Oh, I don't know pads, but we have helmets. Here you go. And like, and they were nice helmets, but like they, she was like, here. And she pulled a helmet out of the box. And she's like, you can try it on to see if your size will work. And I'm like, man, because now... I know that just a thousand skulls have been in those helmets. I know she was trying to do a good thing. Cause I said, I go, I have a giant head, so I don't know what size I would have to get. Well, here pops it out of the box. Try it on. You can see if this is the proper helmet for you. And I'm like, Oh man, now I got to put on this lice ridden helmet because you've been giving it to fucking hobos forever. Uh, and I did to be a kind person. I put it on and I was like, Oh, I well, look at the fit. I, I certainly enjoy it. I like it very much. Uh, I'll probably be buying one of these and a, a couple of tires. I'll, I'm sure I'll buy a chain, you know, just anything to get me out the door. But then I instilled them with false hope. I'm sure they're still there waiting for me. So I booked. 
because I there was like uh, was a, there was one other bike shop to visit. So I go and uh, I pull up and I it's on the corner and it and here's the thing, it had a sign that that already was an improvement from the other two. It had a sign. It was in a brick building. And I'm like, all right, here we go. These are people who know what they're doing. And, uh, and had a sign outside. And when I say a sign, not some hand scrawled sign that said, you know, bikes are here with a backwards R and it just, and you know, back at two o'clock PM had to go have our, our boils drained. You know what I mean? I just, I want nothing to do with it. Ah, <laughs> sorry. We cannot be here until three o'clock. It is the harvest and she is bountiful this year. <laughs> oh, great. So while you guys are home fucking pulling sugar peas out of the ground, I got to go ahead and wait for my fucking bike. I want a business. God damn it. I don't want some shack where the guys from the walking dead get their bikes fixed before the zombies take a chunk out of them. Jesus fucking Christ. Put up a brick and mortar and have some pride. And, and these people have pride, their families, and they're running. A, I, I get it. I understand. What do I care? What do I know? I know nothing. So there's another place I got to visit. I go, I go to them. And these guys have, they have a fucking, they have a sign. That's all I wanted. They got a door, you know, they got brick and chrome and glass. It's a fucking business. That's it. It's all I wanted. I walk in. There's fucking bikes all over the goddamn place, helmets and Two dudes working. There's a guy lurking who's just wearing a fucking bucket hat like an idiot. I, I don't even, this guy, he looked like, you know who he looked like? He looked like the dude who warns all the campers are going to die on the first Friday the 13th. You know, you know that guy? You, you, I, you shouldn't go here to Camp Crystal Lake. You're all going to die. That, that fucking dude is in the bike shop, right? So I see him and I, I don't make eye contact because I'm sure that's going to be a discussion about pumps. I go right to the desk and I'm like, I, I look. Because again, I have to. I I've been told via text I have to establish rapport with these people. I, I have to go ahead and get on equal footing with these guys. So I'm like, hi, and it's a, it's an older guy and a younger guy, and the uh, the younger dude's gonna help you. I said, yeah, you know, I have a bike, but I don't know anything about it. And he looks at me like, well, what what do you mean? And I go, well, I need it built, but I'm not sure how to use bikes, and I don't, I you know, it's been a long time. Like I'm I'm trying to be charming and uh, and kind of be funny and he's having none of it like he just he just wants the facts he's fucking joe friday of bikes and i'm like and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that that's my that's my issue okay that's my hang up because i i walked into this joint i'm supposed to have a rapport i'm supposed to be we're supposed to be friends you and i are gonna talk about pedals for the rest of our lives from what i understand but he's just he's no selling all of it you know so i'm like hey i have a bike uh, it's, I need it built. And then I need, I probably need to get maybe some pads and a helmet and possibly a new seat and uh bucket hat comes over and he's like, well, what kind of bike is it? And I'm like, I, I look at him like, does he work here? I don't even know. But then the young guy's like, yeah, what kind of bike? I said, I, I don't know. That's the thing. I, I show him a picture. He goes, oh, it's an e-bike. I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, he goes, we can build that. He goes, just bring it in. I go, do I need an appointment? Do I need to call ahead of time? He goes, no, just bring it in whenever we're closed Mondays. And by the way, the, I'm giving this guy in my portrayal of him, I'm giving him infinitely more emotion than he showed me. Because he, uh, I, I don't think he, he wasn't disinterested. I just don't know if he was capable of showing any human emotion. He was, he was a blank slate. Yeah, no, you got a bike, bring it in. We'll fix it. Like, is he, he's no nonsense. That's the thing. The problem is I want more than that. I'm, I'm supposed to be establishing a rapport. We're pals. We're going to do-si-do and talk about fucking tires. Uh, I've, I've come to expect the fact that they need to meet me on a personal level. And also, you know me, I kind of want to be jerked off. 
you know, I'm bringing you business. So, so go through the rigmarole of going, yeah, no, oh, that's cool. What kind of bike? That's nice. You like bikes? You know what I mean? Just show some passion or at least interest. I don't fucking know. And they shouldn't. I, I, I get it, man. You work in a fucking bike shop. I can't expect you to do a cartwheel because I showed up with, guess what? A fucking bike. But it doesn't matter because my tiny brain is just like, why aren't these guys acting like I'm a hero? Which they shouldn't be because all I'm doing is bringing them a bike to build. They're, I'm still pay, I'm paying them its goods and services. It's not like I'm doing anything out of the goodness of my heart. But in my mind, I've already been through the gauntlet of bad or or decent bike shops with horrible families or not horrible. They're nice people, but I just I couldn't bring myself to leave my bike just in case they it's snidely whiplash came to tie the 13 year old to the railroad tracks. They looked like they'd be indebted to somebody at some point and my bike would get stolen. So I was like, I couldn't stay there anyway, this fucking guy. So I, I, it turns out he's the son and the, and the older guy working is the dad. And so it's a family business folks. As our friend Sly Stone would say, it's a family affair. He'd say it better than that though. Uh, it's a family affair. Uh, so I go, all right, well, look, I don't have the bike cause I don't have a, a vehicle to transport it yet. But once I get something big, I'll bring it in. And he said, great, we're closed Mondays. So I split, uh, John, I, I get my buddy, John, and he can, he can do it in two days. So then I bring the bike and I got to schlep the box in. And then the dude's like, oh man, we would have helped you carry that. in." I'm like, I don't care. I, cause I'm, I'm trying to be friendly still, but at the same time, I, I mean, I should have said, Hey, can you guys give me a hand with this? Because that's what you do. But I'm this thing inside me is just like, no, I, I can do it, sir. I, you know, I don't want to bother them. Oh, so odd. So I drag the bike in and the kid's not there, but the dad gives me a receipt. I split. Then in a couple, they, it took, uh, they built it in three days, but I couldn't pick it up for five because I didn't have anybody to help me, but I still wanted to go in before picking it up because I wanted to get all the final bullshit done because whoever was driving me to pick it up. I didn't want them to wait while I was like, well, I don't know. The height is wrong in this seat and I need a squeakier horn. <laughs> so I wanted to do that on my own. So they called me after three days. They said, we're done. And I, I checked with John and he said he couldn't do it for two days, um, which was fine. Again, that, that worked fine. So I, but I wanted to go in there ahead of time. So I went in and, uh, and I look, I put a picture of it up already on, on Facebook or whatever. It's beautiful. I mean, I walked in and it's fucking gorgeous. It's just just a beautiful vehicle. I mean, it's so, so absolutely stunning black with some red and, and it's built now it's built because in the box it's, it's abstract. It's a concept in the box. I don't know what the fuck it is. Just some heavy bullshit. I got to lug around, but when it's a bike, it's a goddamn bike. And, uh, I said, man, this is beautiful. He goes, all right, what we need, you, you need to ride it. So we can figure out the height and he goes, I think it might be need to be raised or whatever. So I said, okay, I go to where? And he goes, they're just out in the parking lot. Now their parking lot was fenced in, right? Wrought iron fence. Cars are parked in spots. And I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know what the fuck to do here. I'm look, I know how to ride a bike. I think, but I, I look at the dude and I go, I got to go see, so I'm going to get on it and just ride it. He goes, yeah, we got to figure out how to figure uh, you know, the, where the height's supposed to be. I said, all right, I, I haven't, I haven't ridden a bike in 40 years. I go, that's not, and that's not an exaggeration. Like I, and, and it's probably 42 years. I was 12. I was in eighth grade the last, and I had my own 10 speed, which wound up getting stolen. But I remember driving it and, uh, and I remember this and I, I've said this to you before. The first bike I ever got was some dirt bike. Some kids were walking through the neighborhood. They sold it to my mom for 10 bucks. And obviously they had stolen it from somebody a block over clearly. 
but my mom bought it for 10 bucks. I got my bike and then I, I rode it downhill. I fell off at once and slid on my knees. I had gravel in my fucking legs for like a week, blood everywhere. I didn't fucking care. I, the freedom you feel, especially as a young person, when you get on a bike and you're like, oh, I can go places. I can do things. I can, I'm ambulatory. I can escape. I can get the fuck out of here. And that feeling's incredible. I had it in eighth grade too. When I got the 10 speed, I can remember I lived in this place called the villas. This is apartment complex. And, uh, I got on the bike and I went outside and I rode it to the parking lot. And then I just, I remember riding it out of the exit driveway, which was this road that went all the way up to uh Boughton road. And there was a white hen pantry there. I, I could go and get a, a soda. I, without having to walk, I could, I could drive and the wind in your face and the freedom and the sun. It's incomparable. When, when you have this feeling, and I, ta- I told you about that when I learned how to drive a car, I would drive at night with music playing and I did not care. I, I just drove for hours. I'd drive for two or three hours and then I'd, you know, I'd put gas in for my mom, but I would drive it just so I could play my fucking cassettes and drive around with the windows down in late summer and feel the breeze going through the car because it's that feeling of freedom. And that's how I feel about the, the bike when I got that 10 speed, but now... That feeling of freedom is still there, but at the same time, there's a feeling of terror mixed in because I haven't done this. And I'm, I'm, you know, when you're 12 or 13, you seize it. You just jump on it. You go, Let's fucking go. Let's do this. And now I'm like, well, what if I fall? What if I break something? What if I hurt myself? That's why I bought pads for fuck's sake. You know, I, I don't want to hit my elbow or my knee or fuck myself up. I don't want to ride around cars. But before you just fucking went. So, uh, so I, I, I went in there because again, I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody else coming with me to deal with that bullshit. I knew I was going to have to deal with it myself. So I went and I saw the bike and I took it out of the parking lot and I I climbed on it and I just, it was so, it's truthful that you never forget. You just, you just don't forget how to ride a bike. I got on it and I started to drive uh, it's pedal. And I will say the only thing I didn't like is there was no freedom in escape. I was, I was trapped in this parking lot. So I, I tried to drive to the end of the parking lot and then I tried to corner. And when I turned all of a sudden the bike goes, it makes this noise. And I, I don't even know what the fuck it was. And I didn't have the E part on, by the way, I I have no idea about the E part. I just want to use the pedals. I don't give a fuck about the E part. Uh, but then I turned, it was like, and then I, I did a circle and then as I got by him again, I did it again. Whenever I would bank right or left, it would make that sound. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm, and also my knees feel like they're right up on my armpits. Like I'm, I'm just, I, I, I felt like a clown riding a tiny, uh, the tiny tricycle or like a monkey on a bike. You know what I mean? Where they look so ridiculous. Like they're all squished. And, uh, and I didn't look, I didn't put on the E part. I don't give a fuck about that. There's gears and stuff, but then the brakes are right on the handle. And so when I would hit the brakes, the bike, the brakes are so good. It just fucking stops. And then my feet are off the ground. So I have to figure out how to get off the bike. You know what I mean? So I pulled up to the guy and I hit the brakes and then I let the bike tip over and I caught it with, on my right foot. And then I got off and I said, did you hear that noise? He goes, yeah. He goes, I think that's the fender. And I looked and there was a fender on the front wheel and the back wheel, this plastic, quite frankly, it, 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 it didn't belong on it. I, I didn't know why it was there, but he goes, when you turn, cause here's the thing, when fatty gets on the bike, I mean, that fender's fine. It's sleek. It looks good. But when fatty gets on the bike, it squishes down the bike shrinks. Cause again, I'm getting on it. And then when I would turn the tire 
because the frame was compressed down, the tire would hit the fender, and that was the that was the fucking noise. And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's the fender. He goes, we're uh, we're probably gonna have to take that off. I go, yeah, I, please, let's do that. He goes, I gotta be honest. He goes, I think it looked cheap anyway. I don't, I don't even know why it's on there. And I said, okay, cool. And he goes, you know what? We're probably gonna have to raise the the seat up. I said, okay, that's fine. He goes, so I'll I'll do that. I'll adjust. I go, and also look, because there was a factory issue seat, and I did not like it, and because uh, I'm a giant, and so they had a bigger seat in there for sale. I go, hey. Um, I think I want to buy a different seat and swap it out. He goes, pick it out. So I did. I gave it to him and they measured the height and, and the seat went on and uh, he goes, okay, it'll be ready for you when you come back. And I said, how many days? He goes, well, he goes, I can have it done probably tonight, uh, but definitely tomorrow. And I go, well, let me figure out when I got somebody who can help me. And then it turned out Lily and Eddie said they could take me. Um, so they, a couple days later, they come by in their truck. We roll over there. And I go into the guy and I got to tell you, man, again, I walk in and this kid is just like, hi, it's going, all right, your bike's ready. And when I, I will tell you this, when I walk in, Buckethead is there. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing hanging around? He goes, oh, that's a nice bike. That's a really nice bike. And then he touched it. And I'm like, don't touch my fucking bike. And I think I told you the story where like Pat was willing to drive me to get the bike. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you can just drive the car. You can just drive up there and then you drive the car home and I'll drive the bike home. I'm like, Pat, I got to be honest with you. If you drive the bike, it's your bike. I know that sounds weird, but if you're the first person to ride the bike, then you're, then it's your bike. And he goes, I, and he understood. He was like, yeah, I get that. Um, I, I need to be the first person who rides the bike. Now, what I didn't care for is then later, Pat's like, you know, when they build the bike, they're going to have to take it outside and ride it. I'm like, fuck, God, don't tell me that shit. So now this kid owns my bike. Uh, so Lily took me to pick it up and I get in there and the new seats on and it's all, he goes, let's go check out the height so we can make sure it's where it's supposed to be. And, uh, I, I wrote it again and I, I had that problem because again, now it's even higher up. Okay. So when I hit the brakes, there's, I'm, you know, a good 10 inches off the ground or whatever. So now again, I have to do that thing where I tip over and catch my foot. And then I goes, listen, he goes, you, you, you can't do that. He goes, it's, it's a lot easier. He goes, when you hit the brakes, he goes, kind of jump forward. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, jump, like kind of jump off the seat forward a little bit. And then you'll just, uh, you know, then your feet land on the ground and it's fine. I said, oh, okay. So I get on the bike with no fender. There's no, I drive it. I do a couple of banks. Now I haven't, all I've done is circles in this small parking lot. And by the way, when I say circles, I mean, I had to go and sometimes it got too close to the dumpster and I had to break and then walk it into a circle. Like there was no real room to cut loose on this bike in this parking lot. It was all about just making sure the height was fine and I knew how to work the fucking pedals still. But again, I was shocked at the fact that I just knew how to ride a bike. I got back on it. Everything was fine. Uh, so I get on it and I, I'd ride it to the dumpster and I kind of walk it around and, uh, you know, Lily and Eddie are still in the car. And then I circle back and I ride it and I, I started to kind of put some gas on it. Like I started to really pedal fast because I wanted to check the brakes and how they were. And so I hit the brakes right when I got near the guy and then I jumped forward off the seat and then I landed directly on my balls. I came off the seat and onto the frame. I straddled the frame and, and as my feet hit the ground, my I racked myself, dude. My fucking balls hit the bike and I was like, ooh. And I fucking, I bowed my head and the guy goes, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful about that. And I'm like, yeah, and he, but I will say this, he didn't laugh, he didn't cry, he didn't make a mean face, he didn't smirk. He's just like, yeah, no, you, you gotta be careful about that. You'll get better at it. And then I was, I was at this, I was by, I was equal parts 
uh, not fucking happy that I, because I was doing his technique and I was racking my balls. But then at the same time in my brain, I was like, you know what? What if he does this to everybody? What if this is the only joy this guy has in his life is by tricking people into smashing their balls into their newly purchased bicycles? He doesn't like working in his dad's bike shop. He doesn't like being under the thumb of his old man. The only entertainment, the only brief shaft of light that comes into the darkness that his life has become is watching me groan after I smash my fucking grapes on a goddamn fucking bike frame. <laughs> I can respect that. I respect that. God damn it. Uh, so I gingerly stepped off, put out the kickstand and we went in. I settled up, put it in the car and then uh, and then split. And, uh, and it made me because, again, I don't know if I established a rapport. Because I don't even know what a rapport is supposed to be. Because I, there's things I still need to buy. Like I said, I don't have a bike chain uh, to lock it up. Because I just anticipate riding it and then bringing it home. Like, I'm not going to bring it anywhere and stop. You know what I mean? Why the fuck would I do that? I'm not going to take the bike somewhere and then leave it outside. I mean, I'm just going to drive it and come home. Uh, and also, De- uh, Den was like, you got to get a water bottle holder, like a place to hold your water. So I asked the dude, I go, hey, I, I've been told I got to get a water bottle. Because that was another thing. I kept going, hey, my buddy told me you got to do the tires to this. And he's like, yeah, okay. I'm told I got to get a water bottle. Uh-huh. I need a helmet, right? Like this dude was not, again, he wasn't terrible, but at the same time, he just wasn't, he wasn't, I, cause again, I want a guy to hug me. I know that's my fault. It's my, the void in my life wants a bike pal. I want to be bicycle chums. Let's fucking do this, man. Uh, but he was just, he was a businessman and I was a customer and I understand that. But in the abstract, when we're supposed to be building a rapport and I'm going to come visit them all the time. I mean, I quite frankly, Buckethead is going to die someday. You're going to need somebody to don weird hair, headgear and hang out in the, in the shop. That could be me. If only you loosened up, you son of a bitch, and didn't just watch me wreck my fucking nuts on the goddamn frame for laughs. Um, so I don't know if I developed a rapport or not. I, I know I, I still got to get a chain and a, and a water bottle. I guess I could go there and try to do it. But I do know that I, 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 I rode the bike. I took the bike. And, uh, and I know it's the thing inside me that wants to be treated as special. I know it's the thing inside me that wants to be treated like I matter or, or, or I want to be, uh, I guess I want them to go above and beyond in some way when in reality I'm a customer and they're a businessman and they're just doing a transaction. But I really felt the void of trying to connect with this guy. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I haven't been on a bike since I was like 12 so I, I'm really worried about riding this. And he was like, oh, well, you can just take it in the parking lot. Go, yeah, but I, you know, but I'm driving it on the street. Like I, my friends are like, you should drive it home. And, and I just can't, I can't drive it around cars yet. And he's like, oh, okay, well, just take it in the parking lot. You know what I mean? He was not, he's like, I'm not fucking Dear Abby. I'm, I'm Jim Schwinn. I'm fixing your bike and you're getting the fuck out of here. And I don't blame him, but it was funny because I, and, and I, Self-awareness is fantastic, but it's also exhausting because I, I knew what I was doing. I was trying to get a, a friend, a mom, a mentor. I was trying to turn this poor kid into something other than what he was. Just a guy helping another guy out because it's his fucking job. He's not going over and above. And it's funny because I was going to get that treatment over at the other shop, like with the family of four from the grapes of wrath who were trying to go ahead and fix my bike <laughs> the Joad family who wanted me to leave my bike and help me and then follow me home and sleep in my yard or whatever the fuck 
uh, they would have done, I'm sure they would have gone above and beyond, but it, it just, it wasn't enough for, I don't, I just, I'm a goddamn mess. I don't know what I want. I, I look, I do know this. I know I want to ride my bike. And I know a lot of you people, when you listen to the last show, you were like, God, you got to ride that fucking bike. And I will maybe this weekend, definitely next week, but, uh, but soon. And I, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. You guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can follow me at Instagram, Snapchat, and, oh, my God, it's right, it's TikTok. I'm there doing all sorts of cool-ass things. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm lurking, possibly, watching this fucking Dom Chef cook her food, and I dream about her whipping me with a whisk. Um, but I'm at Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok at Mike40YOB. That's Mike40YOB. Find me there. You'll love me. I'm, uh, I'm not there. In, I'm, I don't interact a lot, but I will if you show up and you say, hi, Mike. I will. I promise to interact. Um, I think I just did with somebody somewhere. Step up. Tell people that I interact. God damn. Go to bat for me. I want a friend. Uh, all of those places are there. I want to thank everybody who helps me. Of course, KCU puts the stuff on the internet. Our friend Ryan, who had handled the website stuff. Uh, and our great friend David Hernandez, whom you know and you love and you can't get enough of. He's a, he's a great guy, isn't he? Come on, he's the best. David Hernandez, uh, go to find him at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. You can get him into your lives, following him there, becoming his friend at Facebook. You'll get the gateway, the passage into all of the cool shit that he does. He's got a group there on Facebook called This Is Dumb, That's Dumb, You're Dumb, I'm Dumb. You can join that and see all of his cool ass memes. You want to hire him to do some artwork? He can do that. He can do Facebook caricatures for you. He can do regular artwork, painting, and all sorts of macaroni stuff. You can hire him to do that. You can see the artwork that he's done for us and for other people as well in his photos but the most important thing is you must become his friend first facebook.com slash david mex hernandez and then he can browse through all the work that he's done and go this is awesome i need a piece of this um now again that's that's your visual medium certainly the the artwork and stuff like that uh and and then there's the uh internet medium but i'll tell you what folks you ever thought about hearing him in, a, in an audio medium because he a, he's a talented singer first of all uh, the theme song for this show, which is in the beginning and will close the show as well. He just does amazing work with music. Uh, he keeps threatening to send me music, but he doesn't, which is fine uh, because he's a very busy man. And he uses his music on what? His own podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Uh, he's got a podcast called the Flemcat Podcast. Two words there. Well, four words, but I mean, it's the and then Flemcat is two words. P-H-L-E-G-M. P-O-D-C-A-S-T, no, cat, C-A-T, God damn it. The Flem Cat Podcast is available wherever finer podcasts are uh, are put out for you to peruse and steal and listen to and love. Uh, I believe he's available at Spotify. He's available at uh, uh, Winky Dink. I think that's a really good one. Uh, you should go uh, Winky Dinky Dog. You can get a Winky Dinky Dog and listen to a Winky Dinky show. The Flem Cat Podcast is available in the iTunes uh, podcast space the Apple Podcast Store, whatever they're calling it these days. You can go ahead and find it there. Now do this, leave a review. That would be a cool thing. If you listen to the show, go ahead and leave a review so people know how cool it is and that you love it and they should love it too. People do listen to the written word, believe it or not. So if you leave a bunch of cool ass reviews and you give them a good star rating, uh, he'll get on other people's radar and then the show becomes gigantic. And then he's doing plugs for me on his goddamn show. And I'm off the goddamn hook. Um... Check it out. The Flemcat Podcast available. All the singing, 
uh, all the nonsense, all the stories. It's just it's just a lovely experience. It's, it's an auditory experience you can't possibly pass up. The Flemcat podcast is available wherever the best podcasts are sold or given for free or left on the ground for you to trip over and hurt yourself. Uh, you know, have you ever done that? You ever walk and you trip over a podcast? That happened to me. I was uh, I was walking in the <laughs> in the parking lot of a Ralph's. I wasn't watching where I was going, and oh my God! All of a sudden, I tumbled to the ground, hit my head on the on the curb. I turned around, and looked out. You know what? My brother, my brother, and me were right there. I stepped. I didn't even see them. I st- I just tripped right over them and fell onto the ground. Uh, and that'll happen too with with our good friend David if you're not careful. But uh, find the show, love the show, bring it to your breast, and enjoy the show. And uh, like I said, he does all sorts of amazing things where you can go ahead and be his friend, check out his artwork, hire him to do some artwork for you. Uh, and also he's got a website. His website is called artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. Um, I know he was undergoing some construction. It might be up now, but you can go check it out and see what he's got there lurking for you. He's got a lot of past artwork that he's done. As I've mentioned, there's all sorts of his work all over the place. Follow him on Instagram. He's all over the fucking place, putting up his artwork, his memes. He's now got his uh, H2O beauties, which are these naked ladies. Go check them. Well, they're not naked. They're wearing shirts and stuff, but still check it out. He does amazing watercolor paintings. He can work in oil. Uh, he can work on canvas or in uh, or on newspaper, whatever you need him to do. You want to hire him to do some stuff? Go ahead and find him. But first, you must become his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. That's facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Oh, I'm Vic. And I'm Vinny. And we're the Screw Brothers. Come on down to our house of filth. We just got a whole new shipment of adult toys and stuff like... Booful lotion. We got inflatable sex babies. We got brown bullseye anal darts. I got a ball sack disguise set. Got a box of ass gags. Look at this, a phone book from Thailand. Hey, it's Shaky Tank. We got a Tiny Times brand dick fork. Hey, fans of the 40-year-old boy... Mention Mike and get a free hand job, Harry. So come on down to our house of filth. Remember, it ain't filthy unless it's screw filthy. Oh, I'm Vic. And I'm Vinny. And we're the Screw Brothers. Now everybody's trying to save money, so they stay home to entertain themselves. We got plenty of new Blu-ray DVDs to keep you hot and hard the whole time you're home. Stuff like... Balloon Knot Bandits. Prego Pervs. Filmed from baby's point of view. Ball licker shit kicker that gal of mine. Big Girls Do Cry. A Tears is Lube Tutorial. A Cavalcade of Spooge. Debbie Does Dallas and Winds Up Married to Dirk Nowitzki. Amish Hookers on Point. Indiana Bones and the Legend of Sticky Face. Hey, first person to come in and mention the 40-year-old boy gets an autographed copy of the Squirt Locker. Make that staycation a playcation by stocking up on dirty Blu-ray DVDs from the House of Filth. Remember, it ain't filthy unless it's screw filthy. Yeah, buy all those products and, and, and buy those other products too. Everything you just heard about, whatever it was. What are we selling, pants? I don't fucking know. I'm sure I'm moving a lot of product. <laughs> I'm putting out one show a month. They're like, look at Mike on top of everything, for God's sake. Oh, I'm the king of merchandise. Uh, you know, you might hear a little fan in the background now because uh, during the break, I had to throw on the ceiling fan. I got a little stuffy in the house. You know, I got to close all the windows uh, and doors when I'm doing this recording. Now, granted, you can hear people through the wall and they could probably hear me through the wall. But at the same time, uh, I have to shut it down with the the, you know, all the fucking windows and stuff. So... Uh, it was stuffy. I, that's all I could have said. I could have just said it's stuffy. But I didn't want you to hear the f- 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 whatever the fuck the fan does. And then you're like, holy shit, what's going on? Uh, I didn't leave. It's not a completely different day. 
uh, we just took a break because the other part of the show ended that part, the first part. And then I got to tell you to go buy a potato peeler or whatever the fuck. It wasn't me, though. I don't, do, I don't get to do the voiceover work for the Misfit Toys co-op. You might have heard of the dulcet tones of a Jimmy Pardo or perhaps even a Jen Kirkman. Uh, but you did not hear me there. Uh, because I, and, and, but you know why? Because I haven't done my own ads. <laughs> uh, our, our listener, our great friend Alan Miller has written me and he's like, uh, Mike, you should probably do those fucking ads. And I'm like, you're right. And I literally assured him, I think it was three months ago, don't worry, I'm doing them. Well, you know what, folks? We are on our way to the bingo parlor. And you know how things get fouled up. <laughs> so, uh, so here I am now with no voice before me, but now my voice is here and, and who cares, right? Now you got my voice fucking yawning. God damn it. The yawns are coming. I need to stop. Uh, <laughs> so we took a break and the fan is on. Uh, and here's a timestamp for you. I tell you what, here's, here's, you're wondering <clears throat> like what time, cause I told you it's Friday morning, essentially that I'm doing this show late Thursday, early Friday. Uh, well, here's a timestamp. We stopped down and I just went online and I saw that, uh, that Elon Musk has broken up with Grimes. Uh, so, you know, those two fucking weirdos are back on the market. <laughs> Good luck. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead and date either of them. Take a shot. You know, shoot your shot. That's what you can do. Go find the the Tesla billionaire or the unbelievably weird singer. These fucking, I don't even know. Take them out on a date somewhere. Look at the waiter. Hey, what uh, wine goes well with the Spectrum? Could you go ahead and pour us a couple of glasses? Because I don't know what the fuck is going on with either of these two. They won't stop chasing light beams like fucking cats in a living room. Jesus Christ. And uh, and they split up and saw the kid now. You know, they shouldn't have made a kid. They uh, put on a fucking condom. And uh, doesn't Elon Musk have like 17 kids already? He's got a whole fucking Walton's clan and some bullshit. now. But now Grimes, of course, she's... I mean, they're going to have a fight over who gets the fuck... Uh, who gets... I don't even know. And And... Good luck raising fucking Mr. Mixelplick or whatever the fuck his name is. He's a, he literally, as I said before, you named your kid after an algebra equation. I didn't think your relationship was on firm, uh, you know, terra firma, firm, solid ground. I got to Who didn't see this coming? I, I'm sure there are some people who worship Elon, although, and you know what? Those people worship Elon and they tricked me into buying a watch. So I couldn't fucking say a thing. Uh, so there, I give you that time step just so you realize that I, uh, what, so you can go, ooh, trace it back to the hour and see exactly when I recorded this. Doesn't, don't you like that? Wouldn't you like that if a band did an album and they were like, we're recording this on, on August 4th. And you were like, holy shit, what was I doing on August 4th? And you realize you were sitting in the house doing nothing while Aerosmith was drinking and hitting drums. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, I, we've talked about this millions of times. I, I often thought at the end of a cassette, sometimes you get at the end of a cassette, there'd be like dead air almost like a minute or two of, of uh, empty cassette noise or whatever the fuck. And I always thought the band should come in and be like, hi, I'm Steven Tyler. Hi, I'm Joe Perry. We're Aerosmith. I uh, just wanted to thank you for getting this album. We're excited to see you guys on the road. Like, just like a little message to your fans. Why wouldn't you do that? It's right there. Does it take away the mystique? And also, I'll tell you this. Uh, everybody does that now. That's the whole point. Everybody's on fuck you yards on Twitter and all that bullshit. So you've got access to the, your, your celebrity pals. So why wouldn't they have done it there on a cassette? I, you know what's funny? I'm hesitating right now because I, I, my voice sounds bad to me. <clears throat> like there's a catch in my throat, but I don't want to make a fucking huge noise, but I have to. Hold on. <clears throat> All right. Did that clear it? Do I sound any different to any of you? Probably not. But it's, it, I sound different to me, and that's all that matters. I sound, I sound a little more uh, powerful. <clears throat> Let's do some vocal exercises. <clears throat> Momofuku. Momofuku. <clears throat> Cherry's Jubilee. 
Cherry's Jubilee. <clears throat> this is, see, aren't you glad I did two of these in a week? All right. Um, folks, we have sponsors. And you're like, fucking really? You're doing vocal exercise? You're saying Momofuku and Cherry's Jubilee? Who the fuck is sponsoring that? Oddly enough, Momofuku and Cherry's Jubilee. They're the newest sponsors of the show. I uh, know our great friend, Fearful Jesuit, runs the Paranoid Strain podcast, which you know about. And, uh, or maybe you don't, which means it's good that I'm here to tell you about it right now. Uh, Paranoid Strain podcast is available right now in the iTunes store, the Apple podcast space, wherever you find your finer podcasts. And, uh, look, I'm not going to lie. This guy's in the middle of a long, long fucking series of podcasts. I, every week I think it's going to be different. I mean, like I'm going to tell you something where it's like, Hey, uh, now he's, he's, he's talking about the Capitol or whatever the fuck. No, man, he is still into secret societies and I can't blame him because, uh, it's not like there's, he's ever going to run out of topics. Every time I'd listen to this fucking show, there's a new secret society doing, first of all, doing a lot of the same shit that the other secret societies did, but they never hesitate. They're, they're, they're never wanting for a group of people to open up wide and swallow that fucking hook all the way deep into their gullet and get wedged into whatever these fucking goofy ass societies are pledging. It's just, it's honestly, it's, it's disheartening. These people all fall for this cult bullshit and everybody does it, but I, you know, what are you going to do? So these secret societies, people, uh, this is paranoid strain secret societies episode, uh, part 13 of God knows how many, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I will tell you this. It starts out in a, in a strange way that I didn't see happening. Uh, the paranoid strain jazz odyssey kicks it off almost like this very dreamy, ethereal version of music, uh, that I would, I would literally, I would call it the jazz odyssey of paranoid strain because the band is always trying to do different things. They're there. Uh, and once again, please remember there are a lot of secret societies episodes. It's not just, look, this isn't a standalone. Uh, once again, this is just one heartfelt square in this AIDS quilt of a podcast. Get well soon, fellas. Uh, it is Secret Societies Part 13. You will hear about the proto-communist menace. You will hear about the delicious soup of enhanced knowledge. Uh, you, <laughs> you will hear this term, which uh, perambulati- perambulations, what was it, perambulations or perambulative? Perambulations and erudite scrivenings. And that's just in there for me. Now he's just showing off at that point. Now he knows I love language and I love words. Uh, so perambulations and erudite scrivenings, that, that term is just in there for me. I don't think that can be argued. Uh, you'll get pithy observations from author John Lawrence Reynolds, who apparently recorded these pithy observations from inside of a car trunk. I, I don't know where he was, but he just he is he is on the move. I think he's a hostage somewhere. And as his last his last fucking act, he decided to record pithy observations for Jesuit to use on a show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and look, it's a fantastic episode. You'll hear about hermetists uh, or hermetists, hermetists, hermetists. Gnostics, uh, Pythagoreans, Magi, uh, Platonists, Alchemists, Periclesians, uh, all, all of these things that I don't even understand what they are, but they're involved, certainly. You'll hear from Science Man, and you'll hear about the chicken freezing incident. Uh, and there's always there's a guy talking about Shakespeare. Now, this is this is I have to tell you this. There's a guy talking about Shakespeare at one point, And this dude can barely hide his rage at the ideas being presented. I, I, I don't want to give it away because it's a show and you'll listen, 
But this dude is sputtering and raving, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I actually ducked because I thought one of his no-doubt flailing arms would smack me upside the head as he ranted and raved about Shakespeare and theories, and, and, and I was like, this guy's apoplectic. And uh, his spit got into my ears through the earbuds. That's how angry this guy was. Uh, and, and look, you know, we hear a lot of pithy observations, as I've mentioned, but also, you know what, it's, it's an informative show. And it's an entertaining show, but this entire episode is worth listening to for the, the, for Dana's delivery of the line. I was not, uh, it's, it comes in. I, I won't give you the context, but at one point Dana gets to say, and that's Dana unicorn, whom we all know and love, who's well-versed in French and German. Uh, and she gets to say, I was not. And the way she says it is very cute and, uh, and it's great and it just plays off perfectly and it works extremely well. Uh, you'll hear about sheer social snobbery. Uh, all of these things are included in this particular episode. Part 13 of the Paranoid Secret Societies. Go ahead and grab it right now. Download it from the iTunes store. Go subscribe. You know, why just get this episode? Get all fucking 13 of them. Listen to them in order for fuck's sake. Why wouldn't you? That's only seven hours of your day. And then you got, is there more to come? Certainly there is. I can't wait to tell you about it. Oh my goodness. Wait till part 14 shows up. Put a couple of touchdowns on the board there with a couple of extra points, right? Uh, the Paranoid Stream Podcast is available now wherever your finer podcasts are dealt with or dealt out, I guess I should say. Go ahead. And by the way, leave a review, if you would, in the iTunes store so people know that uh, our great friend Jesuit is doing a fantastic job. And if you want to write him an email, here's the email address. Strain at gmail.com. Strain at gmail.com. Reach out, send him a note, tell him you, you love the show. Tell him you love me. Tell him you love hearing about the show from me because God knows I'm a hitter. You got to go ahead and fucking keep me in the loop uh, and ask him questions. Maybe he'll answer them on the show. He's never going to answer them on the show. But still, I, I advance to you the theory that if you send him a question, perhaps he would mix it into the boogie base of secret societies and Dana giving wonderful declarations of I was not. Available now. Go get it now. The Paranoid Strain podcast with our friend Fearful Jesuit up there at the old compound. Check it out. It's good stuff. I'm part of the Misfit Toys co-op. There's a lot of hosts on there. Jonah Ray's on there. He's got Let Me Watch Your Movie With You with Jonah Ray. Uh, Never Not Funny, of course, is our great friends Jimmy and Matt and Elliot and Garen. Or Jimmy and Matt and the gang or Jimmy and the gang. I'm not sure how they're running it. Uh, Perhaps our gang is running it now. Spanky and Stymie and Alfalfa. And Chubsy Ubsy. Maybe Chubsy Ubsy is there. Uh, no, he got fired the first year. <laughs> All right. If anybody calls me that, I'll murder them. Uh, Never Not Funny exists. Go listen to it. Doug Loves Movies with our friend Doug Benson. The Todd Glass Show with our friend Todd Glass. And, of course, uh, the wonderfully talented comedian Jen Kirkman hosts No Fun with Jen Kirkman. And she's got a, a whole setup where she's putting out videos and audio and goddamn Jen's a cottage industry. So go check her out as well. Never not funny. Doug loves movies. Todd glass show. No fun with Jen Kirkman. Let me watch your movie with you, babe with Jonah Ray. Uh, that's I'm singing that to the son of a Bob Seger song. Do you know what that is? Let me watch your movie with you, babe. It's the hardest thing I ever, hardest thing I ever do. All right. Uh, trying to live my life without you, babe. Let me watch a movie with you, babe. Pretty close, right? Not bad for off the top of my head. Um, Bob Seger does not have a podcast, or if he does, he is not part of the Misfit Toys co-op. So don't fucking listen to it. Not here to plug this plug plug. Not here to plug this like a rock asshole. Uh, folks, you want to go ahead and hire me for stuff? Why wouldn't you? 
I got first of all, let me go back on what I just said. Bob Seeker's a wonderful gentleman. <laughs> In case he listens, in case he stumbles along uh, uh, on top of this or he stumbles uh, upon this, or in case a friend of his wants to turn him on to the show and then he listens to this and he's like, oh, man, I want to do a theme song for this guy. And he hears me call him a like a rock asshole. And he's like, God damn it. Why would I even consider it? And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, he might hear it and blow it off. But I got to tell you this. No, it won't happen because rock and roll never forgets. <laughs> I don't know nobody likes this. I don't know nobody cares. That's fine. I enjoy doing my Bob Seger humor. That's just, again, just out of, what if I scripted this again? Like I said, what if, oh yeah, here's, we got to plug in the Bob Seger references. God damn it. I'd be pathetic. Not, not nearly as pathetic as I am for just spouting them off, quite frankly. Uh, let me watch your movie with you, babe. It's the hottest thing, the hottest thing I'll ever do. Trying to forget the love we shared. All right. Uh, <laughs> go listen to those shows. Hey, you want to book me for a cameo thing? I'll, I'll sing a Seeger song. What song do you want? Uh, out there in the spotlight, you're a million miles away. Go ahead and hire me for that. I'll, I'll just, just hire me. You know what? Now I want that. I just want to be hired for fucking Bob Seeger cameos. Go ahead and fucking nail it. Uh, ooh, he loved to watch a strut. That's me doing a bad Bob Seger. All right, here's the thing. I won't. I don't want to do a Bob Seger impression. I'll just do me singing Bob Seger songs, unless you pay double, because God knows I need nine dollars. Uh, Cameo. It's an app you put on your phone. Jerk. Why? Well, that seems aggressive. It's an app you put on your phone, or, or you can download it on your. Uh, well, not download it. You can go to the website bookcameo.com, I believe, or you just put the Cameo app on your phone, and then you, you push some buttons, and you'll find me. And it's like, hey, man, you want to pay this guy 20 bucks to do something dumb? And you're like, yes. And then uh, I get I easily get one fourth of that. So that that's a great deal. The cameo guys in the beginning, it was like, man, it's a 50 50 split. It'll be great. You'll get this and we'll get some and it's going to be work out fine. And now all of a sudden with some Apple tax and other bullshit, I make three dollars for a cameo. I, I mean, you may as well just write me a note and go, please call me uh, or, or send me five bucks via PayPal and go, please call me. Then, then maybe, maybe then I, I, I fucking make a profit. Uh, look, I don't want to run on the cameo people. They're lovely. They, who did I just see? There was some fucking person where I was like, you know, they're, this is who they're really pushing on me. And I mean, first of all, cameos advertising now. All right, I saw a television commercial for it, but even worse, they're on my Facebook. Like they pop up in my feed and they're like, uh, hire Dean Winston. Is that his fucking name? I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to Google it just because it was like. When I saw it, I, I recognized the name Dean Winters, right? Is that what it's going to be? I'm going to feel much better about it as I put Yeah, there he is. Uh, they're like, hey, why not hire Dean Winters? And uh, and I'm like, well, why the, okay, why would I do that? No, that's not who it is. Wait a minute, hold on. That's not the guy. Dean, Dean Winters is mayhem from the, all right, hold on, let's see. It's a different Dean. Dean Norris. That's what they want. In my brain, I was like, Dean Winters, because Dean Winters has lodged my, he was playing Brian O'Reilly on uh, fucking uh, Oz, and then he's Mayhem in the in the State Farm commercials. I guess you'd want him to call you too, but instead it was Dean Norris. Is that, and I don't know. I just fucking closed the window. The guy from Breaking Bad, Hank. And uh, they're like, yeah, man, hire him for cameo. And I'm just like, I don't, nothing against Hank. He's a very talented actor. He certainly made more money and and, uh, and reached more people than I ever have in my entire lifetime. But at the same time, I don't. What the fuck do you want him to call you for? 
to to you know to just to just do the fucking you know you're the smartest guy I ever knew, and uh, and you can't see that he made up his mind ten minutes ago. Like you want to do that line over again for you? Why would you want Hank from Breaking Bad to call you? Because here's the thing, you want him to be Hank from Breaking Bad. Nobody out there is just like, you know who's fucking great? Dean Norris. Oh, my God, what charisma that dude has. And I'm sure he does. He's an actor. But nobody out there is like, Jesus Christ, I'd love to hear a cool thing from Dean Norris. No, you want you know him because of Hank from Breaking Bad. I guess you could hire him and go, hey, man, do Hank from Breaking Bad stuff. You could because if he's just Dean Norris, that's just a dude. Like a comedian would have a personality or some sort of act or, or a character that you could reference. But Dean Norris is just Dean Norris, just like Dean Winters is just Dean Winters. Here's what I say. Cameo has to eliminate all the deans. Let's get the deans out of there, man. They're just clogging up the ranks. How am I going to make $2.15 if fucking all the deans are getting hired over me? And not only that, they're pitching the deans. Like I said, on my Facebook, it's like, hire Dean Norris with this picture. And I'm like, why the fuck? Who is that? Like, Because that just seems, a commercial seems to be like, hey, man, we're Cameo and we do cool things. Fine. That would be fine. But if you're on the fucking site and you're like, hey, man, hire Dean Norris. If I was Dean Norris, I'd be insulted. Like they, you know, I guess he maybe he gets a boost in cash, but at the same time, it's like, is he all right? You can go two ways with this. He can think, you know what? I'm so goddamn popular in my Norrisness that they need to use my face to sell the app. Fantastic. But I go the other way and it's like, man, we feel bad for this fucking Dean Norris. Nobody's fucking signing him up. All right. You know what? Put, let's advertise with him. Let's go to Facebook and and really just scrape the bottom of the barrel and go, hey, man, why wouldn't you hire Dean Norris to say hi? Uh, as if they think they're doing Dean Norris a favor. So again, he can look at it two ways. One, he's very popular and he makes Cameo look good. Or two, Cameo feels bad for him and they're using him as a lost leader. Uh, And look, let's put it this way. I know what most actors would think. I'm making Cameo look good. You know what I would think? I am a lost leader. (laughs) Like, I can't believe Cameo isn't using my ridiculous face. Hey, hire this nobody. Boy, I'm selling this service really great. Uh, Hire me, right? You want me to do a Cameo for you and your friends at a birthday party? or a bachelor party, or a bachelorette party, or a wedding of some sort, or a a loss of your virginity. Whatever you need me to do, I can be there. I'll talk you through it. I'll coach you. I'll do exactly what I did the night I lost my virginity. Make out on the couch with a a heart on that felt like it was going to explode. I I literally, I could have, I could have used that heart on to smash fucking coal into diamonds. Uh, and then, and then the woman I was with was like, Hey, we should go to the bedroom. And I'm like, why I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good out here because I was scared to fucking death. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. Uh, and then we went in there and she knew she was, that was her whole, that was part of her deal. Like she was thrilled with it. She was so happy to take my virginity. Uh, Oh, candy, you're missed. Um, but yeah, so, so anyway, so you want me to describe that to you on cameo while you're losing your virginity? Uh, I could do that. I could talk to you while you're on the couch trying not to go into the bedroom and embarrass yourself, but then you realize you're not going to embarrass yourself. You're just going to fuck, which is fucking finally, right? Uh, I can do that. I can make that happen for you. Hire me on Cameo. Book Cameo.com or put it on your phone. Uh, And once you're through fucking around with the deans, give me a day in court. Patreon.com, ladies and gentlemen. I'm at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. I am there to be admired and and stared at. Support me, support this show, support everything. Support my Twitch stuff, support everything on Patreon. That's what you're doing. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, uh, if I join your Patreon, there's all these things. I, I, I know. You're all very kind. I have to scrap the page and rewrite it in a way 
to where you realize that everything you give me is paying my bills and I'd love to get shirts and, and all of the other things that are there. Uh, and, and you're just lovely to think of me. Thank you everyone. Um, because that Patreon, you have no idea, literally even through the pandemic, it's kept me afloat. It's, uh, it's paid my rent, which is not, not all of it. Certainly I live in a palace, but, uh, but it's certainly paid a sizable chunk of it, which makes me very happy. And thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, I said, if you want to continue to think of me or if you want to just jump on board now, go to patreon.com slash Mike four zero Y O B. Uh, and I'm there to be supported. I am there to be supported, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and there's, look, I always threaten this. There's stuff coming to Patreon, videos, whatever the fuck. Uh, I just, I, but, but you know what? Look, we're back on track with the podcast, right? I know it's a Friday, but we're kind of back on here. We're on a, on a, a timely schedule. I put one out on Tuesday, one out on Friday. We're back caught up. Uh, next week we'll be here on Thursday again. Although I got to record it before I go out of town because <laughs> I'm on a plane next Wednesday, but uh, whatever. You don't care about any of that. Anyway, here you go. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike four zero YLB. Also, I got channels, man. What's that? I got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy. Uh, all the podcasts from the past will be there. You'll want to hear those because, ah, God, was I great. I'm sure you got this now. This is me in the twilight of my career. But back then, oh, when I was hitting on all cylinders, forget about it. I was, I was a fuck machine. I don't know what that means. Why was I a fuck machine talking on a podcast? Uh, but I was very, it was very fight or fuck. The first, first few years of this podcast were very fight or fuck and, uh, and which was great. And I loved it. Uh, and now, you know, I'm still kind of fight or fuck, but, uh, I'm also kind of, um, sad and lonely. <laughs> so, so you can tie all that together. I'm not going to fight anybody. And there's certainly nobody to fuck. So, uh, you go the other route. You bury yourself in a book and you wait for the end. Isn't that fun? Isn't that, isn't that non bleak? Twitch.tv exists as well. First of all, YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. YouTube.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Subscribe over there. Costs you nothing. And it, and it gets my numbers boosted up, and then the algorithm recommends me to people, and then we get new people on board. Oh, my Christ. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to be part of the algorithm, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you want to sit down with Joe Pantoliano and, and have him eat a fake steak and tell you about it? I think you should. Let's do the algorithm together. Joe Pantoliano and me and you at youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy. Go ahead and join. I get distracted because my phone lit up. I got to get a call from spam risk. You ever met spam risk? First of all, let me tell you this. If you meet spam risk, don't make the mistake of giving me your telephone number because he will never leave you alone. Spam risk calls me all the goddamn time. Sure. We were in the bar. Everybody's having fun. We're having some drinks and everybody's like, hey, this is fun. Let's all get together again. You start banging your phones into one another and the fucking numbers are getting transferred. You know, it's all magic now. Right. And then sure enough, the next thing you know, spam risk is calling me every goddamn day. And what the fuck spam risk? You're not even Masubi as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I wish I had some Masubi. There was a, a place near me that was doing a loco moco special. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to eat that. I love a loco moco. Nothing better than a big-ass hamburger patty covered in brown gravy on rice. Woo! There's a reason the, the, reason the Samoans fucking got it going on out there in fucking Hawaii. They're eating fucking locomoco and macaroni salad. Delightful! Uh, Twitch.tv exists. What? You know what Twitch.tv is? It's a lot of this. Like, literally, I thought about it the other day. I'm, I'm on usually Monday through Friday for a couple hours a day. Uh, I scaled it back because the podcast, I was getting kind of burnt, and then I kind of amped it up again because... You know, I still want to try to make some money. And also, I, I do enjoy doing it, but I got to find games that are good and fun. Regardless, the point is when I'm on there, it's a lot of this. If you like this, this podcast thing that I'm doing, where I'm talking in circles, uh, part of the show is that. At least part of the show is that. Uh, and then I'm playing games. 
I played a, a game about fucking incest. I played a, another game about aliens. Oh, it was fun. I, I actually played a game about alien incest, which I did not see coming at all. But uh, check me out, man. Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. If you go over there right now, you can follow the channel. That costs you nothing. Eventually, you can subscribe if you want to go ahead and give some dough to me. Some do re me to me. do re me to me. There is dough. Uh, go ahead and do that to uh, twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Following costs you nothing, and then you subscribe. You can use, look, If you are you a, a, a Bezos bot? Are you hooked into the Matrix over there at fucking Amazon? Are you and Pentoliano eating fake Amazon steaks? Maybe you are. And if so, uh, you can use Bezos' power against him by using an Amazon Prime subscription that gets me five bucks, costs you nothing, taps right into Bezos' fucking deep well of cash. That's what you want to do. They cut me off as an affiliate because they're jagoffs, but why not go ahead and give them another chance to give me some money as an Amazon Prime Twitch affiliate? Let's bankrupt this motherfucker. What do you say? It's not even about supporting me at this point. It's about taking fucking Bezos down. So here's what I need. I need, and this is going to sound strange. I, I recognize that. I need a billion of you to subscribe through Amazon Prime. Is that is that doable? Do you think that is? Uh, by the way, that if you do that, he will laugh. Because he will still have another like $90 billion. What's he got? Is he worth $100 billion? I don't even fucking know. Who knows at this point? It's just obscene. It's just obscene. Guy went into goddamn space. You know, it's funny. That's going to piss off Elon Musk. Musk wanted to go to space. Bezos goes to space. Instead, Musk winds up getting a fucking uh, divorce or a breakup or whatever the fuck. And now him and fucking Grimes and Baby Juice Box, they're, they're aimless. They got nothing going on anymore. Uh... <laughs> twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy check me out follow or subscribe and then you come visit all the time like our good friend monster montage like our good friend uh, Murtab, who reached out to me I, I've, I gotta go ahead and say this real quick thank you to all the people who reached out to me after Tuesday's episode uh, Amy I did get your note thank you uh, I will answer you uh, I was I someone uh, Murph I got your text and I will write you about it as well um, Kevin I'm just going to fucking remember names. Kevin wrote, that was nice of you, thank you. Uh, Diane, everybody who reached out, you're super cool, and I appreciate it very much. And and I will get to you, I will I will write you. Because again, you know me, I, I do this thing where I don't answer anybody because I don't have my homework done. Well, my homework's done now. I mean, fuck, I did two shows this week. So uh, once my homework is done, then I'm I'm fair game. I can talk to everybody. Why I'll t- I'm caught up in texts even. That's a lie. I got about 25 to return. But still... Uh, everybody who reached out to me and thought about me and gave me uh, a genuine encouragement and support and told me uh, what they thought might be going on. I do appreciate it. And I'm investigating all of it. I did look at it. Uh, Amy, I, I thought your ideas were very interesting. You as well, Murph. Uh, I will keep looking at all of these things. But you're nice. Thank you, everybody, for reaching out and doing cool things and saying nice things to me. And uh, and that's uh, the best. You guys are the fucking best. You've always been the fucking best. Um but yeah, so my homework's done now. We got a couple of shows in the bag uh, here, and uh, and now we just now we you know what we got the weekend off, man. Party, party time. That's how it goes, and it's good to party. It's the beginning of fall. First day of fall was here. Are you loving it? I got curled up in a weighted blanket with UGG boots. I am here in Los Angeles. You know what that's doing for me? It's killing me of heat stroke because it is fucking. This week it was ninety nine degrees on Wednesday, and then ninety nine degrees on Thursday. Uh, I haven't looked outside to see what it is yet, but uh, I can only imagine it's going to be warm again because, again, there's no fall in Los Angeles. I've talked about this a million times. Fucking fall has been postponed. Uh, Everything has changed. Our summer goes until like November 1st 
And then and then it kind of starts to get fall. And I'll tell you this, it's fall at night because we're a desert. So it'll be 55, 60 degrees at night, which is a little chilly. But in the daytime, it's still like 95. A couple of fucking years ago in October, we had the first game of the World Series with the fucking Red Sox and the Dodgers. It was 106 degrees here. So, yeah, we don't get a fall. Uh, so it's funny when everybody else I see the rest of the country, they're celebrating like apple cider and shit like that and fucking sweaters. I love it. I, w- I would love that very much. But uh, there's no point. You can pretend, you know, we kind of have our fall. Like I said, at night when it gets late and it's super fallish, um, but it doesn't stop our stores. We fucking still get relentlessly. You know what I bought this week? I bought fucking apple cider donut Oreos. Uh, that's another thing I do on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. Uh, I'll do taste tests of weird food. And then uh, if I, you know, it's usually cookies or chips because God forbid, what am I going to eat a fucking shellfish? What am I going to do? Hey, let's eat this mollusk. You know what I mean? That's not fucking good for anybody. Instead, it's me eating uh, candy and chips. And this is why I'm a monster. Uh, But it's fun to do on the air, you know, all these different kinds of things. So go ahead and follow the channel, if you will, at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. We so we tried the apple cider donuts on the air this week. And you know what they here? I'll tell you exactly what they tasted like. Uh, they kind of, in the beginning, it didn't really smell like apple to me, but then it kind of got, I was like, you know what? I apologize. I apologize to cookies, by the way. That's how fucking weird I am. Uh, they did smell like apple. It smelled like an apple candle, kind of that weird fake apple smell, but it still was good. Uh, and then I tried the cookies themselves and here's what they, you know what they tasted like? Here's what they tasted like, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you ever eat apples and cinnamon oatmeal? Oh, you know that, you know that, uh, like Quaker Oats oatmeal that's apples and cinnamon. That's what it tasted like. Just that weird fake dry apple, but it's still good. I mean, I do love it. I do love apples and cinnamon, uh, oatmeal. And I liked the cookies. They were fine. Uh, that's my description. If, if you were asking me, what'd you think of the apple cider donut Oreos? I would say, first of all, they don't taste anything like a fucking donut. Uh, and there's no cider either. Not tangy. Uh, there's a tang to a cider, ladies and gentlemen. So these were more just apple and nutbeg, nutmeggy, kind of cinnamony. Uh, almost more like the apple pie Oreos that they, they sold before. Uh, so they were fine, I would say. But here's another thing I bought. Because uh, I'm a fucking monster, everybody. I, look, man, if I wind up in the store at like 1 in the morning, you know it's dangerous because I'm looking at fucking... I, it's just, I gotta fucking get a handle on everything. And you guys know this, and I will, right? Won't I? Uh, once I get on the bike, oh, that's when, that's when everything starts getting fixed. That's when the whole world starts to change. Uh, I, I, I'm a one-way motorway. Uh, what I was going to say is I uh, bought, here's what I bought. Uh, I was looking around for garbage and I was like, oh, I'm going to, and then I'm like, I got to get a loaf of bread just to eat toast. And then I, there was, uh, unfortunately, and look, this isn't my fucking fault. This is the grocery store's fault. Directly across from the bread on the other side of the aisle, that's where cookies and crackers are. And that's where I saw the apple pie, cider, fucking donut, whatever the fuck, Oreos. And I was like, I got to grab those, grab those, grab the loaf of the onion dill rye. But then that's, you know, that's a directly across from the bread. But right next to the bread is, uh, that's your snack cakes. That's your little Debbie. That's your fucking uh, hostess. And there's Fruit Pie the Magician staring me right in the fucking mug. And I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to take a bite out of him. What if oh, I want to, you're stronger than me. I'm weak. If Fruit Pie the Magician shows up, I hit my knees and just get my mouth working. And I don't, I don't, whatever apple pie cock he shoves in my mouth is going to get worked because he's Fruit Pie the goddamn magician. He deserves respect. Uh, I don't want the apple one, though. I pick a berry, apple, berry, and cherry. I like the berry pie. That's what I enjoyed. Uh, so he just fucking unloads, shoots berry ropes all over my face. God damn it. Like, you're not a lot of podcasts are out there going to tell you about when they blew Fruit Pie the Magician. And he fucking blew berry ropes all over their goddamn face. That's what you want. That's the imagery you want to take home from a podcast, baby. So I'm on my knees. I've got both hands on his weird uh, pie crust hips. (laughs) 
going to work. All right. So, uh, but in the snack cake aisle, they've got, you know, you've got your Entenmann's donuts as well. In addition to little Debbie and the hostess and, uh, and then the generic pies or whatever the fuck, uh, Entenmann donuts. They had, you know, the, look, and we've talked before, they had the rich frosted donuts and those are just for, look, I can't, I can't even look at the label. They'll, they'll tackle me and beat me with a stick because it's only for the rich people. Those are some decadent donuts, ladies and gentlemen. That that is a chocolate taste. That is as it, it, you you bite that chocolate donut. That's as that's as dark as making out with Idris Elba. That is a dark donut, delightful. Uh, but Endman's had the siren song of luring me in with something else. They had their pumpkin spice donuts on display, courtesy of fall and Halloween and every other bullshit thing, right? So I've already got the apple cider donut Oreos, and I think to myself, why do I really want the... And then I look at the sign, and it says, get this, uh, Entenmann Donuts, buy one, get one free. Because it's five bucks a box, and normally I would never do that. Because Also, because there's eight donuts in there, and I'm a one guy. I can't be eating eight fucking donuts like a monster. Uh, however, I can eat 16 donuts like a goddamn monster, so... <laughs> They said, buy one, get one free. I'm like, wait a second. So that's $2.50 a box. That's fucking amazing. And uh, and look, don't tell the rich people, but I bought the chocolate donuts as well. I, I had to because I wasn't going to buy two boxes of pumpkin spice donuts because that's just a lark. That's an experiment. What if I fucking hate them? They go right in the, right in the, right in the bin, as you would say in England. So I can't possibly take the shot at, at, at trying the pumpkin spice donuts and hating them and having to throw away 10 of them. So I'm going to get eight, which means I ate six. What a monster, because there's eight in a box. Uh, no, I'm going to get eight uh, of the pumpkin spice donuts and then eight of the rich frosted chocolate, because even even if the pumpkin spice is a bust, I can marinate in the goddamn rich frosted chocolate with visions of Elba dancing in my head. So uh, I get home and uh, I was going to eat the pumpkin spice donuts on the Twitch stream. But uh, I am a ravenous monster who can't control himself. Uh, I'm a grizzly bear, except I have thumbs so I can open a box. A grizzly bear would have just torn it apart and left it asunder with crumbs and all sorts of bullshit all over the place. However, I myself, I'm a thinking man and I have uh, thumbs. So I, at 2.30 in the morning, popped open the pumpkin spice donuts. And I'm like, I'm going to give these a day in court. I grabbed the, uh, I grabbed two of the chocolate. <laughs> I'm a monster. I'm going to tell you this for real. I grabbed two of the chocolate and two of the pumpkin spice donuts. And I got a bowl with four donuts in it like a fucking animal. So I get the pumpkin spice donut. I'm like, all right, I got to try this. I don't know why I'm trying it. That's not on camera because that puts lie to the fact that I only eat garbage when I'm doing it for the show for content. Uh, but I was hungry. And I didn't want to go to fucking McDonald's or Jack in the Box. The only thing open is fast food. Now, could I have bought like a fucking... I don't know, a, a fucking head of lettuce? Yes. But instead, I bought these. So I get the pumpkin spice donut, and I get it to the house, and I crack open the box. Uh, and I grab two of those, grab two of the chocolate, and I sit down, and I bite the pumpkin spice, the spice donut. And here's my review of the pumpkin spice donut. Uh, I only have one complaint about the Entenmann's pumpkin spice donut, and uh, it would be this. The hole of the donut is not big enough for me to fuck. That is my main complaint about the Entenmann's pumpkin spice donut. Pumpkin spice donut because it is clearly it is it is a cut above. It is exactly what I was looking for. It is it is a delight. It is soft. It is spongy. It is moist. It is 
pumpkiny. It is everything. You, it is. I could not decide in my brain. I was like, should I eat this or should I fuck this? I wasn't sure. The only issue was the hole was not nearly big enough for me to go ahead and jam my cock through. I would because it would just leave a pile of donut shrapnel, and I'm not up for that. I'm. I've look. If I'd have bought, maybe if I buy the two boxes of pumpkin spice, I can fuck some of them and leave crumbs in my wake. But I thought to myself, you know what? This is absolutely a, a waste. And I and don't think I didn't eyeball it. I looked them like that hole. Eh, I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to work because I know me. I've got a handful of me a lot of the time. And I looked at the hole and I'm like, I will fucking bury this. And now look, is there an appeal to taking apart that fucking donut and fucking the shit out of it and being like, oh, yeah, take it all donut and just leaving fucking crumbs everywhere? Maybe. I don't know. That flashed into my head. But I also thought to myself, you're not fucking a donut is as much as much as you want to fuck a donut. You are absolutely not going to fuck a donut. Who do you think you are? You donut fucker. No fucking don't even because I'll tell you what you fuck a donut. Forget it. It's over. You can't you're, you're never you're that's who you are the rest of your goddamn life. It's like they say you suck a cock. You're a cocksucker. That's it. The end. That's who you are forever. Well, if you fuck a donut, man, you are a donut fucker. Every single time you look in the mirror, you can think to yourself, hey, look, it's me. I shaved. I look good. Yeah, you do. Donut fucker. Way to go. Goddamn, you buried your cock into the fucking unstable hole of a goddamn donut and left crumbs all over the fucking place. That's on you, pal. That's on you, Podcast! Podcast! Podcast.